this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. <laughs> Hello, my fellow Westorians. Welcome back. It is our first, I say welcome back, but it is our first official House of the Dragon preview stream. The first of many. We don't know how long House of the Dragon will run, but we'll do preview streams for every episode. And that's a lot of fun. What is the purpose of a preview episode? Let's let's discuss that first. To set some expectations. Of course, there's a few predictions. We have trailers and things like that. That helps us uh, look ahead a bit. There's related topics, too. Things that we expect will be connected to topics that we raise. And, of course, there's some things we occasionally miss on Monday. You know, we're, re we're reacting to the episode less than 24 hours after it comes out. So we'll want to occasionally expand on topics as well. And in order to do that, 
Well, we bring in some extra brain power, some extra mouth power <laughs> in the form of... I made that word up. Mouth, mouth power. power. That's right. Okay, the, like that one. Power of the mouth. That's that right. That sounds yeah. dirty. Talking power. Uh-huh. You know, sometimes... Puns are getting started early today, I see. I make things up on the fly. It doesn't always work out. You don't have great mouth power. <laughs> I don't have great so mouth power. <laughs> more coffee, Aziz. More okay, coffee. Okay, I'll drink more coffee. But we have... To help us with this this uh, plan of Saturdays, we're bringing on guests every time, almost every time. We may occasionally not have one, but we certainly have one today, the esteemed Joe Magician. Welcome. How's it going? Hey, guys. It's, uh, it's going pretty good. A little tired after the first week of House of the Dragon. Um, a lot of videos, a lot <laughs> of stuff to be made. Lost my voice on Sunday, but, um, you know, it's... It's very exciting to have this back and have everyone be into it again. Yeah. There's been sort of a, a long lull. Like, everyone tried to get excited for Fire and Blood, tried to get excited for different things, but it seems like we're, we're all back, guys. We're all arguing. We're having a good time. And personally, I'm excited to have new things to talk about instead of like going over the same thing a thousand times like I normally do. Right on. Speaking of new things, we'll get to that in just a second because you... Um... You, you nailed some of this stuff ahead of time, so Hell we get yeah. to take a W. But before we get to that, let's take care of a few intro items, and then we'll hit the ground running. Our schedule, as uh, to keep track of that and make sure people are aware, every 3 o'clock on Saturday, we'll, Eastern, we'll be doing these preview streams. And every Monday at 6 Eastern, we'll be doing the spoiler-free streams with Sean. And they'll be spoiler free because he's unsullied, and that's kind of fun. We'll be uh, avoiding the spoilers that way. Of note, though, is that the live stream chat on Mondays has had spoilers in it because we're not really doing it for the benefit of um, people in the chat. So just just be aware that if you're looking at the live stream chat, you know, just be aware of spoilers. So you may prefer to watch the replay to avoid the, or you can just turn the chat off. Either one. If you want to catch them, you can always watch the replay of the streams on YouTube or watch them on Spotify. The streams are on YouTube, the replays are on YouTube and Spotify, and if you want to just catch the audio-only version, you can catch that anywhere you get podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or any of those good spots, whatever you prefer. We've got some images today. We've got the our, our favorite site that we used back in Game of Thrones' first run. It was farfarawaysite.com. Shout out to them. They have high-res images that we'll be posting throughout the episode we uh, always check them for their great stills. And, of course, we've got a lot of behind-the-scenes featurettes that have been dropping. HBO has just been coming at us with all sorts of behind-the-scenes stuff. It's really good. They always do a great job with that sort of thing. So we'll mix a little of that in as well. Yeah, um, that behind-the-scenes featurette was like 26 minutes long. It's like every week they're doing a different behind-the-scenes documentary. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, so they they're really ex- they really know that people love the expanded material and... Um, they're not wrong. <laughs> 26, minutes, 26 minutes. I'm glad I didn't try and watch it before we went live. <laughs> I apparently didn't have time. <laughs> uh, also, I would definitely shout out the, the, the stream with Sean. I, I think as really devoted a Song of Ice and Fire fans, it's hard to... You lose a little bit of the wonder when you know everything's coming ahead of time. It's kind of fun to see Sean literally learning it on the fly and seeing like the 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 wheels turning ahead our wheels turned like five years ago yeah and when he says something like that Kristen cole guy seems all right and you're like well yeah. yeah from what he's seen he's not wrong like from what he's been presented there's no reason to to hate that guy but of course we 
we know differently. <laughs> we have different information. So, so one thing for y'all folks, what are your biggest questions from episode one? What are your biggest questions about episode two? And speaking of big questions, when we covered Game of Thrones, we did two episodes a week. One was show only. One was book implications and discussions, stuff like that, book to show. For obvious reasons, we didn't think such would be needed this time around. We didn't think there would be a big impact on A Song of Ice and Fire. Sure, we expected some A Song of Ice and Fire relevant <laughs> topics to pop up here and there. We didn't expect nothing huge, though. Best way to be wrong, though. Am I right? I mean, here we are at episode one. One episode in, and there's a gigantic A Song of Ice and Fire bomb that, of course, is also <laughs> a great plot point for House of the Dragon as a standalone point as well. Like, it works really mm -hmm. well just within the confines of House of the Dragon, too. But... Those of us who know Fire and Blood, it's a whole other layer to discuss. Something we can't predict. Like we, like you just said, Joe, there's a lot of things we know what's coming. But this, we don't know what they're going to do with this, and that's great. So that's mm -hmm. that we do get some of the wonder as well. <laughs> it's just yeah. it's completely unexpected. Very fertile ground. It's going to be really fun for us. And um, it, it also just makes sense, though. If you're a clever showrunner, striking a chord with both the book readers mm -hmm. and the show people... It does make sense, doesn't it? It worked really well. I was uh, surprised at how they balanced that. They they brought in quite a lot of allusions, direct ones to Game of Thrones. And then, like you said, they threw us as dedicated fans quite a few bones in that episode. Like even like little uh, lines like the promise me yeah. and also um, what was it? The Rainey's throwing Liana's um, favor on uh, what was it? lord baratheon's stick and it's like i know what that is it was like when they played jenny's song during uh season eight that kind of thing also it's fun to be able to call aziz a sweet summer child <laughs> no this was coming huh and see it coming no spoilers for the books huh Oops. oh <laughs> how yeah. dare you yeah i definitely was not uh a big on this theory but i'm embracing it fully now like i did with king brand when that came around you know it's it is what it is we can't be yeah we can't hold on to what we thought was right you know it's more fun to just embrace what's there and yeah i don't think you were ever against the theory no though. i wasn't against you're, it you're I just, just like we're like eh, i don't yeah. know about that yeah exactly <laughs> i was not one of those people that's like oh this is a terrible idea which there are some people like that yeah, but that's okay are. that's that's their right <laughs> well we've had a lot of interactions over the years Aziz, and i will say you have a high barrier to believing things <laughs> yeah <laughs> you you have a low tolerance for tinfoil so that's true that's just how you are. But I it's, will, it's not yeah, like you are. You're right. But I'll switch when the evidence is there. You know, I'll, it's there. You're an evidence-based guy. Yeah. And the, there's no doubting the evidence now. <laughs> so Got we're it. on there now. It's great. We're going we're gonna to ride this out and see where it goes. And it's super fun. So, yeah, you, you've been banging this drum for a while. And we're going mm. to get a few clarifications, actually, about where some of this came from. I know there's a little bit of confusion as to where it came from, what came from George, what came from the showrunners. We're interviewing Ryan on Monday. So we're going to, that's one of the goals we have. It won't be like our George interview because we're not seeing him in person and it won't be as long, but we're going to, we're going to get some good questions. We're going to ask him about props because he's a props guy. And uh, I want to ask him about Valyria, this, that huge model of Valyria. Yeah. How cool is that, Ooh. right? That big. That thing's amazing. Right? <laughs> That's what I would do if I was a king. I would be a sloppy, lazy ruler like Viserys, <laughs> just playing with my toys, probably. <laughs> <laughs> my lord, there's an army at the gates. Listen, I'm playing Warhammer. <laughs> yeah. Calm down. Yeah, I, there's an army at my gates, too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a couple super chats before we get started. Maura Lee says, in honor of the late Queen Emma Aaron and good Queen Alisanne, as well as all the women of House Targaryen, thank you, Aziz, our Queen Ashea, and Matt, Joe Magician. Love you guys. Well, Maura, we love you too. Thank you very much for the big support. We're 
so excited to kick off this nice long run of excellent fun and dragony goodness. <laughs> Met fan, man. My opposition in baseball. I'm a Braves <laughs> fan. There, but in but in A Song of Ice and Fire, we're all one. <laughs> they say, you continue to be awesome. You all continue to be awesome, paying in advance for your awesome content that I'm sure is coming. Well, thank you, Met fan, man. We will keep it coming. We hope today's episode is exactly what you're looking for. So the first episode is called Heirs of the Dragon. We're going to spend the first episode, uh, first half of this episode discussing the basic plot points that we expect, and then the second half talking about all the Song of Ice and Fire prophecy goodness. So mm. stay tuned for that, um, where Joe can dazzle us with his knowledge, and we can piece together <laughs> what we can. I mean, it's only been a week for this since his bomb has dropped, so that's the one caveat is that we, we won't have figured it all out yet, but... <laughs> It does kind of make oh, us wonder. You guys haven't. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, he's already here. I released two videos on it already. <laughs> well, three, actually. <laughs> First, a, a quick question. Some folks wonder about the crowns. The crowns are in our intro, mm -hmm. and then there's some discussion of crowns in the show as well. There's actually one thing I'm confused about. Um, but the crowns in our intro are the main crowns that are to, to date in this point in history. Uh, there's, of course, by the time... Danny comes around, there's been a lot more crowns. But this is, Viserys is only the fifth Targaryen king, so, and they don't each have a crown. So uh, there's only been, I think, two crowns to this point. There's Aenys's crown and, uh, and. Oh, Jaehaerys had Oh, one. no, yeah, you're right. There's three. Jaehaerys, Aenys, and Aegon had crowns. And we have little, not seen Aenys's. We haven't seen Aenys's one. Apparently, that's the fanciest of them. It looks like the one Viserys is wearing, doesn't it? It has the, the, the big I guess I thing thought that, that was Jaehaerys's and that they just changed Jaehaerys's crown was what I assumed because uh, yeah. that he wore Jaehaerys's crown. So that was the I, I didn't actually check that, okay, but babe. that was what I thought was that they just modified what Jaehaerys's canon crown looked like. Yeah. The one I remember from because uh, I've been looking through them, that guy uh, Amok, that guy that yeah. made all the images yeah. for George years ago. So the Jaehaerys one has just a bunch of like yeah, it's like a uh, rainbow gems crown. around the forehead. He's got a rainbow yeah, crown. yeah. So yeah. Notable, has, like kind of one like Viserys. But yeah, no, I. I believe that it was that Viserys was known was known to wear Jaehaerys's crown so I, I mm. think I don't think that they changed that but worth us looking into perhaps so those crowns are represented in our intro but they are the House of the Dragon versions rather than the book versions so you you should be able to recognize them from that um you'll have eventually seen Aegon's crown which is that's where some of the confusion lies in the show it says like Viserys says Referring to his dream, his baby was wearing Aegon's iron crown. Now, Aeg yeah. Aegon's crown is supposed to be Valyrian steel, but even the book sources are confused on that. That's not just a show confusion. It, you'll see it called a the Valyrian steel circlet that was placed on his head, but you'll but that's it, also said that it's iron, iron and ruby. So I, I don't know which is. I, I'm pretty sure it's Valyrian steel, but maybe there's a little bit of iron in there also. That's that's how we'll do it. We'll do it like the Renly thing, where it's blue, green. Oh, blue, green. <laughs> Renly's eyes are blue green because yeah, so this this crown is Valyrian steel and iron. Let's say <laughs> it doesn't help that it eventually just flat out disappears, so nobody really knows anymore. Yeah. can't even compare it to anything. So I assume we will be seeing it um, later in the season. So that's something to look forward to. Maybe not, but I would guess so, considering they mentioned it. Ooh. You know, I wonder um, who will be wearing it. The Viserys doesn't seem to like it if he has it. He has the option. He has the accessories. Yeah, what are you doing, bro? Go into your inventory. In Fire and Blood, oh. one of the one of the Kingsguard steals it, steals Viserys' yeah, crown right. and gives it to Rhaenyra and then Aegon and Aemond end up wearing uh, yeah. Aegon's crown. So yeah. that's probably mm. when we'll see it when uh, maybe Kristen oh, Cole bust will... bust it out then. Yeah, Kristen <laughs> Cole will put it on Aegon's head <laughs> or mm. Aemond's head or both. Actually, both in, in Fire and Blood, both happen. So, yeah, 
I didn't remember that Aemon wore the crown at any point. He does wear it. He doesn't call himself king. He just says, it looks better on me (laughs) than it ever looked on my brother. It's kind of calling yourself king, isn't it? But he just—it's also funny. We're going to see uh, Damon's crown, but yeah. his is going to be more like an Ironborn crown. Yeah, it looks kind of neat. He's carrying that hammer and that crown. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. he—he's uh, walking in like a boss. But I guess that won't be till maybe episode four or five. I don't know, three, four, five. Not next. I don't think it'll down. be next week though, <laughs> or uh, tomorrow rather. So he has to cut his hair first. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's got to. Yeah, war makes you cut your hair short, right? <laughs> <laughs> So we are going to see the real intro sequence this week, apparently. That's, yeah, that's they, fun. They did confirm that Ooh. there will be intro credits in episode two. And so I thought it'd be fun if we could speculate a little bit. Everyone could give guesses on what they think it will be. I have two ideas. Ooh. I don't know that I, I have two ideas I've seen online. I think I probably would have guessed it on my own, but I did also see them online. One is um, there are those columns with the statues in the uh, red keep that I will um, put on the screen right now. Um, there's those columns and the idea, and they show periods in history, each of the, each column does, so the idea that we could see history on the columns. That makes a lot of sense for um, intro crawl. Yeah, the other idea I saw was the model of Valyria, but that doesn't make as much sense Ooh. to me, because, because I don't think Valyria has as much relevance to the series to, to do that, but and I've seen those... It in too. Yeah, I've seen those two ideas. Hmm. It would have to be finished. Yeah, um, I like your... I wonder if we're going to see more of Dragonstone in the painted table because mm, yeah. they put that in a ton of promos and they lo- they did a lot of cool underlighting with it. So maybe it'll be something like that, like starting from inside the volcano and going up to like that table or something like that. It'd be really cool seeing Viserys's model, but you know, ha- yeah, it has to finish first. Yeah, <laughs> it's to paint it, bro. Yeah, Get your right. Paint. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing I love about it too is you can clearly tell it's in progress from from some of the images we have on Far Far Away site. Um, mm. One in particular, you can see there's just like pieces of it on the ground. Not only does it look larger than it did last week, which is a clue, it just there's just like unattached pieces, like extra model trains that are ready to go on. And there's like little, there's multiple shots of him holding a dragon, like figurine too. Yeah, here's mm. Shea's got it up there on screen now. Look, you can see this pieces on the ground there. So he's just like adding more to it. So <laughs> yeah, so cool. I will repeat that I want that. <laughs> <laughs> want that whole thing? I want that whole thing. We, I would dedicate a whole room to it. I don't have it. We don't really have a room to dedicate to it, but we would find a way. We would we would find a. a we would usurp the purpose of whatever room for that. <laughs> well, George was talking about during your interview about how he uh, sold some of the rights to figurines. I wonder who owns the rights to the Valyrian oh, steel model. Yeah, good question. Good question. If at HBO put that thing out we're buying it oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. can you imagine having that bottle of valyria oh, in our man. house they would I just keep it. adding like now new new like blood flesh oh pit God, yeah. expansion for your models <laughs> <laughs> draconic fire Temple. mage tower yeah. too yeah, of course <laughs> yeah and they're charging warhammer prices yeah we would all go broke quickly mm-hmm. that stuff is Ooh. not cheap <laughs> man <they charge laughs> no it's not load for that so real quick, a few behind the scenes things on top of that, because we're, we're talking about stuff that feels sort of behind the scenes ish, uh, talking about models and intros and things like that. Michael Carter, the guy playing Jaharis, who was Bib Fortuna, if you didn't know, he didn't want to have a speaking role. And I wonder why he just was content to sit there and be Jaharis. And I think that worked, though. I think just having him sit there gave him more gravitas and kept him more mm. mysterious, not having him speak. Yeah, I think that was a good choice. I, I, it was really interesting to me that he said, 
I don't want to play a speaking part. Give me a non-speaking role because he's not like a huge actor either. So that's quite an interesting thing. But I really loved that Ryan Condal talked about how he was fanboying out because this was Bib Fortuna from from Star Wars. So I was like, oh, yes, he's he's got good taste. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It also kind of works um, with sort of the introduction we got from the Mad King where he was featured quite a lot in Game of Thrones, Mm -hmm. like in images, but he never said anything except for the burn them all thing. I wonder if they're going to play him like that. He's going to be the mysterious kind of magically attuned weird king that kind of screwed up everything for the current timeline. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they're going to talk about him more because we know that there's going to be Oh, they're more... going to talk about him more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's precedent and the uh, and the uh, Great Council. That's coming up. Yeah. There's no way that's not coming You're up. Right, that's got to come up. <laughs> and Heron Hall, I talked about a lot how that was built. That's really cool. Another reason to watch that BTS thing, just how they did the green screen and, and put all that together. Someone we're uh, we've been in contact with Kieran Belshaw was featured a bit in that in that and he's um, a concept artist someone we've we've been engaged with in the past. Yeah, we met him at Con of Thrones. He was one of the guests there, um, and I got to, I spent some time with him. And so I was just watching the special. And I was like, "Hey, it's Kieran! <laughs> How cool!" Um, we and as I mentioned, we get a closer look at those columns, right? Um, and if you don't know what I'm referring to, there are columns in the throne room where you can see the kings that have come before Viserys. But the thing that I didn't catch before was that one of the columns is unfinished. I have it on the screen right now. That's going to be Viserys's column. So we should see as time passes that column get carved out and sculpted and more things added to it it really is a I'm, interesting statement on how a king is concerned about his legacy and he sees it being carved in front of him you know and how that's like it's a much more personal this way rather than like how will you be remembered he's seeing it happen in front of him like this is how i'm going to be remembered so oof. what do you think joe doing that way kind of puts a, like a bookend though on the how far the dynasty can go because you only have so many columns <laughs> what are you gonna do when you can run out yeah, yeah. you're gonna put them on the walls or something also i i can't believe I cannot believe that they left up Magor's statue. Jaehaerys didn't tear that thing down. <laughs> Why not? Screw, screw Magor. Yeah. Get him out of yeah. here. I'm wondering when we're going to see all of these statues removed because they're not there in the main series. Oh, yeah. So, you know, at some point they had to get rid of them. I'm guessing when Robert came into power and no sooner than that. But yeah, That's harsh because it's like we hear about him putting all the skulls in the basement, which is one thing. But if he's just smashing these historic columns, that's yeah. that feels like a crime against history. Yeah. But Robert hated the it Targaryens. King's so. Landing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So you definitely wouldn't put it past uh, Robert doing that. Um, in fact, I kind of expect it given they are gone and it probably wasn't someone before him. Like, I don't know, Aerys, mm. would Aerys tear them down? Like, why would one of the other kings do that? You know, Baylor the Blessed? I don't know. It just doesn't, even for him, I don't see why he would do that. So, yeah. It's the same thing as the Weirwood, like the one on your fancy shirt there. At some point, <laughs> that thing's gone. Yeah, yeah something it's burning gone, up yeah. or getting cut down, rather. You're right. All right, well, let's get into some specific plot threads and let's start with Prince Damon. Um, another call back to Ryan Condal saying he seeing Damon in his armor on screen says like he's a living armored dragon. Here's a By shot. The, of, oh wait, first before that, okay, two Damons on screen two Damons. at the same time. Yeah. The fr- <laughs> now you can see at the same time the front and the back of the armor. That yeah. really tickled me. That's from the behind the scenes thing, and that's where uh, Ryan said he was a living armored dragon. Boy, it took him a while to make that set of armor. Well. Two sets of that armor. Yeah. <laughs> the- <laughs> but then we have uh, Damon sulking on 
on Dragonstone here, looking very moody. So this is presumably he, he snags, he goes there on his dragon with Mazaria instead of going to the Vale, and he's just chilling there until he goes to steal that egg. And or maybe he's taken the egg first. Not not clear the order of things, but probably this happens and then he goes and steals the egg and then he's confronted about it. And they're like, get out of Dragonstone. Yeah. Leave. Okay, it says reconnection successful. I don't I don't know that we actually had a drop out, but anyway, it keep going. Me. You can just say that again. Yes, start your sentence over. Great. Okay. Uh, there's also gonna from the books. It's in response to my sar getting pregnant. Damon saying, "I'm gonna give my child a dragon egg." Yeah. Um, he is allowed to live there for quite quite a while. It's the egg that makes Becerra say, "Hey, by the way, you don't live here anymore. Get out." Yeah. And that's when we see Otto show up with. Uh, also, did you guys catch during the um, the coming weeks episode? They have Rhaenyra and Cyrax flying up onto the causeway, but she lands behind Otto's. Is that to threaten them or is she supporting them? Yeah, it's unclear. I'm going to say that Rhaenyra is doing her dad's bidding and backing up Otto, taking the role of the heir. This is the kind of thing Mm. she has to do. And so I'm guessing that she's facing against Damon here, which is going to be awkward for her. Yeah, I I would guess that too. Certainly, if she was being aggressive towards Otto's side, you could see her doing what you're saying there, Joe, like taking up like pincering move there. Mm. But we also know we can be pretty sure it won't come to blood. So that maybe isn't super um, yeah. meaningful in terms and of spoilers. He does give up the egg. Yeah. So. yeah. He's gonna give up the he doesn't egg. win. He doesn't win yeah. that encounter. Right. He does back down. He pulls his sword and points it. And then at some something gets him to back down. Maybe Rhaenyra. In fact, yeah. <laughs> that would work. Like I, he would he, he backing down to Otto might be too much of a pride thing for him. But backing down to Rhaenyra, he could do that. He's, he, he likes her. He doesn't have this issue with her. Doesn't want to ruin that relationship that he's uh, yeah, been <laughs> developing. Yeah, he's been developing. Yeah. <laughs> developing. I like the, the, the cough there. The meaningful cough. I almost said another word. The suggestive <laughs> cough. <laughs> it says it all. So the egg thing is going to be neat. I'm, I'm very curious to watch him go through the process of, of stealing it and climbing into a cave or whatever's going to happen there. And this is presumably also what turns him towards the stepstones, right? He, he, he has to get going towards that and will pick that thread up when it occurs we we there's not a lot of potential things to discuss as far of going to the stepstones we'll get to that when we get there Mm. but a couple other random things associated with damon one thing that's going to be neat here is when we're discussing these main plot threads they all just really wrap into each other so nicely like every one of these plots connects to the other ones which is something that's different about main game of thrones early on there wasn't an obvious connection to daenerys and and everyone else other than that she wanted the throne but the connections were more like slow, slow building. Whereas this, this, it's kind of quickly, everyone is entangled in relationships, mm. political maneuverings, and other things. But just some questions for y'all, um, Joe Magician, you can weigh in if you think you have an answer on any of these. When Mazaria was talking about, you know, I've got a silver-haired lady for you, or just offering him other women when he couldn't finish... I wonder if that was a little bit of like foreshadowing for the brothel queens subplot, which probably they Mm. won't do, but they may talk about. Um, I doubt that's actually going to happen, but Mazaria suggested it might happen. Do you think it even happened in the book? No, it's 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 one of Mushroom's stories. isn't Yeah, it? I don't think it happened. I think it, I think it was suggested, but I don't think it happened. Mushroom says it did happen, but I don't think it did either. That seems it seems there'd be more corroboration. I, think it might happen. I mean, I think there might be a little brothel action 
you know, to, not mm. not to that extent, but mm. I don't know. I, I think there might be a little something. If you all don't remember what I'm talking about, we probably yeah, should yeah. You're de- right. we describe should, this a little yeah. better. Well, <laughs> Mazaria suggested sending Allison and her some of her other women to be uh, her daughter. Her daughter. It was Helena, wasn't it? Yeah, I guess it was Helena. I was thinking. I was. I was hesitating on that because Helena's so young. But that's Mazaria for you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> suggested they be punished by being forced to work in a brothel, and you could pay to hook up with the queen and her daughter so yeah we hope that didn't happen um or doesn't happen especially because they said they're avoiding sexual violence uh this season so it would be even harder for them to do that if they did it they probably won't show it, it won't i mean that would be a future season anyways right oh yeah good point they so, didn't they know. didn't commit to not doing that in future yeah. seasons that's a good point so we'll see although maybe they're maybe they're more likely to veer away one. from it after how hard everyone responded to yeah this so I, stuff yeah. this season i agree so i don't think they're going to do that but they may have my Zarya threaten that. I think yes. they might do that. Yes, they might still oh, have the it threat, brought up. Yeah. yeah, the threat, I think. Whether or sure. not... I, I, This is one of those things from Fire and Blood that um, has always been sort of a fandom interpretation that I never really bought, that Rhaenyra is a really cruel person. And I don't think we're going to get that from her. And that would be an exceptionally cruel thing to do. Yes. It would be the maybe the worst thing that happens in the dance, if it was true, yeah. or close to it. It would be up there. You'll be a nominee, yeah. <laughs> so another big question uh, is Damon. Yeah. Damon maybe. Damon maybe. Yeah, yeah. We already have our Visenya, but even yeah, even Visenya wasn't that cruel. <laughs> um. Well, I don't think so. Well, we'll see. Well, more maybe. about Visenya. We'll find out more about Visenya in the future, hopefully. But true. Uh, so uh, when about the song? Of course, we're going to come back to this in in earnest at the end of the episode. But in terms of Damon, was he ever told about it? That's a question that we have going forward. I would guess no, because. When he's telling Rhaenyra, he's like, your brother or your uncle was not, isn't the stuff of kings, but you, sure. you are. So like, that's a pretty strong hint that he didn't see him as worthy of the secret or, or trust. On the other hand, maybe giving him something to be serious about might've been a good thing. Good for thing. Him. But yeah, it might've weighted him, weighed him down a little bit. So, uh, and it opens up a whole bigger question is is it really just air to air or is there a few other people in on it i would have to think more people know because that's too risky for it to just someone dies yeah. and you lose a secret forever and Aegon surly speaking of visenya i really can't imagine Aegon didn't talk to his sisters about it before the conquest you know that would be pretty weird so what what's your take on on damon knowing and then we'll save the rest for later so in principle, I would think that Viserys is so conscientious she would do it, but I think based on what they've shown this episode, and in particular, one of the primary problems that they had them talk about is Damon yelling at Viserys that you never trusted me, oh. that you never made me your right hand, mm-hmm, yeah. that you never kept me close to you when I could have been there protecting you, and it works as a character moment to back that up. Like, why didn't Viserys ever do this? That The two things are linked. That's why he never thought Damon was serious enough or a potential good ruler and that's why he pushed him away but it the two thing i love how the dream thing continues to push into viserys's logic throughout the episode and it probably will going forward it's this is one of the things that um, i talked about in my videos and past live streams and many other videos (laughs) is it it's it's one of those things you should always keep in the back of your head that they have the secret motivation going on so it does. It, there's always going to be another reason for why they do something, but there should also be this especially important decision. So I think it works that way. But as to uh, would characters tell each other like different things, I th- I think it's um, probably a little bit overblown the way that Viserys said it. Like he was never alive for those any of those 
heirs talking to the kings. Right. So I don't know how he would know. Like, would, would Jaharis go, okay, so Viserys, there's this thing. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Aenys told me, he told Raina. Also, he, to- he told Alice saying, <laughs> we didn't tell Magor to screw Magor. So Aegon told both of them. And it's he like, shared no, the tea that, with that him. Kind of, <laughs> yeah, that, that level of gossip probably wasn't there. And you have to assume, when you look at characters like Alice saying, she acts in a way like she knows about the prophecy. She goes to the Night's Watch. She gives them a new gift. She gets Alaric to give it up. She reinforces the Night's Watch. She does all this stuff. So she knows. Yeah. So it yeah. clearly is not just heir to king. Yeah. And I wouldn't be shocked if Aenys told all of his kids. Yeah. Because he seems to be very concerned about it, even though he's often played off as sort of like a, a king just sort of playing his harp, having a good time. He's a very intelligent person. He just has a different strategy. Yeah. And his strategy is alliances. So it makes sense character-wise that he would do that. I agree. He's a lot. Aeneas is the most like Viserys of of all the kings that we've seen mm. as, far as, as far as his methods. He's maybe even softer or nicer, but definitely someone who was like a pleaser, a people pleaser. And that's that was his way of keeping the realm that's together. Aenys. That is Aeneas. Yeah. So that's something that we'll certainly see more on. But it's a good table setter for what we expect. And just to raise the general question of, of who knew and who didn't, which which Targaryens mm-hmm. were trusted, which ones weren't. And that's a question and who going Rainier, forward. And who Rhaenyra will end up telling. Yeah. She, has, she has two things. One, oh. she'll tell Damon, oh, you debate. would assume. But I, I would guess that she will tell Damon. But two is when when or if she tells any of her children right like yeah, that's a, that's a weighty thing to bring up to your child like it, it's a talk about like difficult conversation like the birds and the bees like the birds the bees and the others kind of thing and i yeah so i think the i think there's a very good chance that at least jace is told i mean that's very likely especially when you think about the mm-hmm. fact that even viserys sat jace on his knee and was like son this throne this this throne will be well, his grandson this yeah. this throne will be yours one day you know so that that strongly implies he's in on the secrets especially when we get into him with his pack device and fire yeah, and Sarah Snow. Yeah, I think and... my call on what I think <laughs> is that Rainier is going to very quickly get very burnt out on having to tell her heirs this secret. <laughs> and oh. she's going to be like, I don't want to do this again. I've already had to like put this weight onto t- two children. You know, like I-, I feel like she'll get tired of doing it. And maybe wait a little longer and then that'll be a mistake. Uh, yeah. Wait, and then, oops, yeah. Oops. That's oops, kind of how I feel. After the first like one, she just makes a PowerPoint yeah. and just shows it to the other ones afterwards. <laughs> Listen, this is what you need to know. We've been through this. Yes, to open, break glass upon case of you are now king. <laughs> <laughs> if air, read dagger. Yeah, if air, read dagger. That's great. So let's move ahead to, speaking of king and new heir, that's a good segue to discussions of such. Rhaenyra also looking quite dragony in this scene. Look at those scales. That's a great outfit there. I like that a lot. And you notice the like the hand, it's like got a hand glove thing where it's wrapped over her hands there. And you can see she's wearing this outfit in a few other scenes. It's her so. riding outfit for yeah. dragon riding, as you could guess. She's about to be she's about to be or has just been sent off to go deal with this Damon situation. So she's ah, gotta she's gotta be call. dressed up for it. Um, very good call. That's gotta be it, yeah. She's getting ready to be my deployed. Battle armor. <laughs> yeah. But no, I mean I'm excited about I have to say every time I see a new costume, I can't help but think about the cosplayers who are going to do that at conventions. I'm like, yeah, they this get going to some... be one. Yeah. Is, yeah. Is like this, this one, one has to be because people are going to want to wear some pants, not just dresses all the time. Good I point. think this one will be popular. This one is more uh, adaptable. Yeah. To daily wear. <laughs> 
when I first saw this, it looked a lot like Daenerys, but more than I'm looking at it, it kind of looks like Blackfish. His weird oh, scale yeah, shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It looks a lot like that. Fish, dragons, yeah, they all have scales. That's yeah. true. You're right. You're right. <laughs> so I, I guess we'll be hearing more lore. I think Viserys is going to have more to say than just, hey, I told you the prophecy. We're done. That's all I have to say. <laughs> so there's got to be, <laughs> you figure there'll be future conversations. There's this moment in one of the trailers where she's reading the dagger. You referenced that already. Mm-hmm. We guess that's this next episode it might not be but regardless that proves there's more to come in terms of that whole thing um she's going to be more present in council not just pouring wine presumably she'll be making decisions or weighing in uh, which might be where we see some of the friction start if some of the people who were kind of anti-woman might start like arguing with her i don't know there's there's ways for them to do this that seem kind of straightforward and we're gonna see that strong lord be more of a jerk lionel yeah how dare women yeah i know i I, I just i I feel like he's gonna say something he's gonna say something asinine at some point again i really wonder what melos and 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 otto were gonna do because it seems like melos keeps like setting things up for otto like when when otto was gonna bring up rhaenyra to get daemon out of the way it was melos who brought it up he was like Mm. well we could just go by the you know, the standard, and, and they're like, who, what do you mean? And he's like, and then Hightower says, the king's firstborn child. <laughs> you know, it's like they practiced how to bring this up ahead of time. So Melos being the Grand Maester and the Citadel connections with Hightower, always got to keep an eye out on that. Uh, so those two will probably, whatever they do, they'll probably be working together. That's I guess that's the point of that. It's interesting seeing the exact dynamics, too, because we're used to from the Lannister small council, pretty much everyone being on Tywin's side the whole time yeah. or just not or gets just saying screw Tyrion, whatever he thinks. But here we see the uh, the factions where, as you said, it's Beesbury, Melos and Otto. Corlys is sort of doing his own thing. Damon's also doing his own thing. And Viserys is more on Damon's side than usual. I think the wild card actually is Lionel Strong mm. because there comment Damon made to him about what he thinks about the law and Lionel looked like he was upset at being put on the spot about yes. it like maybe Damon knows that he doesn't agree with the other guys mm. but he doesn't want to be the squeaky wheel so to speak he's happy being just the master of laws <laughs> rather than potentially endangering his position what's interesting to me is that like Lyman has kind of been on Otto's side of things but that's not really going to work out for him like Ultimately, the the high towers are not going to repay any sort of loyalty he's had to them during these council meetings. No, and and that's that's an important point, Ashay. Great great call because Beesbury is a vassal of High Tower. That is lost in the mm. shuffle a lot of times. So when Cole kills Beesbury and the Beesburys are like, "Hey, our own overlord supported this," and and was no one's getting punished for this. That's going to be a big part of why Costain and Beesbury and some of the other Hightower vassals do not support their own liege lords, and they side with the Blacks. So they have yeah, a very true. straightforward reason for that. They, they oh. killed our lord. I mean, that's that's vassal-feudal relationship 101. You know, you murder our lord, we're not on your side. You're supposed to stand up for that. <laughs> the Strongs are also super precarious right now. Like, they keep talking about, like, Otto's second son. He has nothing. No, he has, he has Old Town behind yeah. him. Yeah. Clearly, they're going to support whatever he does. Lionel Strong literally has no one behind him. They are an extremely minor house. Harrenhal's not worth crap. Harwin and uh, Laris are not super popular. So mm-hmm. Lionel is extremely um, at risk of losing power here with no support. So that's probably what Damon is 
sort of pushing at him at. Like, I'll be the guy to protect you, Lionel, if you actually back me. You need to take a side. Yeah, he wants to make yeah. him maybe declare it openly or something to get him, to force him to stop walking that tightrope. Me, right. And you, like you but said... he doesn't want to. Yeah, and like you said about Corley, it's an important angle to him. He's kind of doing his own thing, but now he's got something he can do. He sees an opportunity, which is... Huh, this uh this new heir of yours is unmarried, is she? Hmm, yes, yeah, so that's hmm. uh that needs to be fixed. We have to have uh we have to have a husband for her, don't we? So <laughs> that's clearly gonna be a thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm so I'm so excited to see all the different suitors for Rainier. That's gonna be really fun to yeah. see like little glimpses of different houses. Fool maybe we'll get Fool mm. Frey and some of these others the black. Yeah, we we know we're gonna see the whatever. Lannister twins, for example. So one of them will be the suit, you know, we'll see Jason, um, uh, so that'll be our introduction to them as well. Right. Um, I wonder if we'll see a young Cregan. Oh, a little, I think a little too young. I don't, I don't know. I, 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 more, more importantly, they won't cast him in season one because they want to keep casting for season two. Uh, so they don't have to recast. So that, that, I think more important is the is the behind the scenes meta reasons why we wouldn't see him. I wonder if the change to Gwayne Hightower was to make him marriageable. I wonder if they oh. if Otto oh. will suggest Gwayne yeah, yeah. or it's interesting, yeah. I wonder if he's all, if he's currently married. Yeah, and they did change him to be the eldest son and not the youngest son. That might be they why. flip-flopped a lot of ages. Like, Lainor's older than Lena now, yeah. isn't yeah, well, yeah. yeah, Lainor's older than Lena. What Really what they did was that they just didn't age Lena up. They aged Rhaenyra mm. up and Lena, you know, like, they aged a bunch of people up but kept her age down. Like, I keep saying they aged her down, but, like, really that's not true. She's the same age she was in relation to, like, Viserys, um in the in the books you know okay yeah i get some i get some of that confused too i think i told someone the other day that they changed allison's age and not rainier's age yeah it's the opposite yeah it's it's, yeah it's like right allison was like 18 and it's really more like they're both like 16 17 like we haven't gotten a clear age on them but my guess is that they're 16 to 18 years old yeah allison and rainiera whereas lanor is maybe like 14 and lena is like 12 so she's the same age okay right on I'm kind of hoping we get to see like an, like a six or seven year old Cregan Stark and he has the same stupid floppy haircut from Bran. <laughs> that would be a way to have him in there. They could cast as some boy because yeah, yeah, then it won't boy. be the, just have a boy and say like, yeah. "Oh, yeah. my heir, Cregan," or what? Actually, no. If the relationship at that time, yeah, it would not fraught, be it would not be very straightforward. Yeah, I don't think it would just be no, the heir. Like, oh, okay, and, and this kid Cregan, yeah. if you if you think about him, look at his stupid haircut. Anyway, <laughs> on the other Starks. Yeah, because we have Bernard who who becomes regent for Cregan because Rickon dies yeah. young or Rickard and whichever Arthur. Again, somehow gets in there or something yeah yeah so then so then uh, we were we were guessing that that it's, it's complicated that stark who got his face completely bashed in was one of bernard's sons as was our guest yeah. so, mm. anyway but so another thing that rainier has now another thing that being heir gives her more clout more um, gives her more right to make decisions even if it's not entirely clear what her you know how who she can tell what to do having a say in who is chosen for the king's guard is a thing, and we can see Kristen Cole in Kingsguard armor, which is pretty clear. What's going to happen there? We knew that would happen eventually, so, anyway, pretty so, quickly. So, I guess my question is: Are we going to see Ryan Redwine die, I just like he's going to die Ooh. peacefully, and then Harold Westerling, who that, as you could see, Westerling was Rhaenyra's guard. That yes. was specifically her right. guard. And Ryan was always with Viserys. Yeah, yeah. You could see. Him. And so it seems that Ryan will die. 
Westerling will be, you know, raised up and they'll be like, hey, choose your, your own your own guard. She's like, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah the exactly. handsome Dornish like, guy. That's who I want. Someone <laughs> should have realized at some point in this, like, this is a dangerous thing that they're letting her do. Like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm don't like, let the teenage girl yeah. choose. I mean, yeah. <laughs> not when it comes to the... Don't the let her choose yeah. the hot guy. Yeah. Was, <laughs> make make better decisions. Yeah. <laughs> Another example of they're just not thinking this through. Yeah. You know, they're just like, well, she needs to make her own mistakes. Okay. Well, maybe not that yeah. mistake. To be fair most of the kingsguard are inconsequential it that's is true. abnormal that Kristen rose so fast so high that's true that's true they, they didn't see this coming because it is oh. somewhat unprecedented yeah that's that's fair so I, to be, I also i feel like we might see this debate happen when she names him like yeah when, sure. when they when they are sitting there deciding well should it be this guy or this guy or this guy there might be those exact quibbles raised yeah so it looks like Corley's complained. Let's talk about moving on to the sea snake and the triarch and the steps. I don't want to talk about the balls. We got balls. <laughs> we got balls. We can... Oh, the little setup balls. Yeah, I had all these pictures yeah. of them. I okay, let's grabbed. talk about those real quick. Uh, I just and I specifically wanted. Uh, I want. Whoops. We just had a cat fall down. <laughs> he just fell off my lap. Um, but no, uh, uh, Joe Magician had a great YouTube short about the balls, so yeah. I wanted him to speak to them, uh, really speak good. to balls, <laughs> and I wanted to put on the screen pictures of the balls. Um, as you can see, a close-up look. They each have their own ball. <laughs> it looks like a mouse uh, so, ball. Yeah. yeah, it does look like so. the trackball mouse uh, ball. That you see right there. I did. I know they're stones. I called them balls in the short specifically to make the the yeah. joke. So that's why I did it that way. But yeah, th like a lot of people have been asking, like, what's going on? Why? What are these things? Why are they putting them in that? And the set designer and um, oh, I forget what the other person's uh, title was, but they basically said they made it up, and it was like this cool idea that it's sort of like the start of the meeting sort of thing. Like you know, Quorum, if you ever uh, like go to like yeah. sort of corporate meetings, everyone's milling around and someone goes like, all right, let's get down to business. It's sort of that. Mm. So you take your individual ball, you put it in the saucer and that means you're clocked in, you're ready to go. I'm now, you know, master of coin. I'm now hand of the King, you know, all the fun times sort of thing are over. Um, which was a little, I don't know. Like some people were like, Oh, is there historical precedent or anything like that? And it's like, no, it doesn't seem like it seems like they yeah. sort of made up a cool idea. That's basically like a punch clock, but with stones. <laughs> yeah. I imagine that like, if you, let's say that Otto was like, I can't make it to the meeting today, but I want to send a representative. Like they, he, might, he might give them kind of the ball or whatever, the stone. It's where the phrase really cool. on the ball comes from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they look kind of like dragon eggs. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Matt's got some of his own there. That one looks like a baseball. Yeah, this one does look like a baseball. <laughs> I do, I have a baseball he yeah. has a baseball, but also the Lionel Strong's has looked like a baseball. With like the, yeah. it's cool how his. Oh, has, is that is that his has, colors? Is, is his colors? See, his colors the it has mm. a green, red, and blue on each side. Cool. So that is cool. Which Damon's is black. Which speaks to the idea that they made a new ball for him. You know, like for each one. It, which all, but that that which holds up because as you can see here. Um, as you can see, uh, Otto's um, has green and gold, and the mm -hmm. high tower sigil and the reach is green. So it mm -hmm. makes you know they seem the somewhat special. Kind of looks like a dragon eye. Yeah, it has, like, yeah. it's like a white ball with like a mark yeah. on the top. So I think that looks like a dragon eye to me. Yeah, well, and yeah, Coralie's is sea like aquatic. you know, aquatic. Yeah. I really like the Maester one, which yeah, looks like all the chains super chain. It. That's one that they probably it's don't have to switch out. <laughs> kind of like the uh, the the Astrolab. Yeah, it is kind of like that. So, it's a cool 
yeah, you can, it makes sense yeah. and it adds, adds a little bit something different to the small council it kind of like puts their own mark on it to start because this is nowhere in any book this isn't yeah, a thing yeah they, they straight up have made it up but it's a good makeup yeah I'm happy it's they good did it. yeah i yeah. like the idea of damon being like why you know someone being like why can't we start the council well, damon won't put his ball in the, <laughs> he just won't he's like plays with it he's like literally me just like yeah, he's his like ball in the he air, like, like i don't know i don't right. start the meeting and he pulls it back he's like all right i'm gonna not nah, psych you know it's like damn D- it we can't start until he puts his ball in the cell points he out takes autos and throws it across the they'll room they'll make great merchandise oh, i didn't yeah. even think about the oh, yeah, more stuff will. on the cell I'm like which one are we gonna get i think i want the maester one we can eat the whole set to put out a dinner you know yeah that dinner clock in <laughs> you guys start doing that at home uh, aziz you're put your stone in the thing so we can eat damn it. Uh, we're gonna get them absolutely we put it in when we go live it's like oh don't don't interrupt them they're clearly the stones in the cup they're they're doing a live stream someone uh, lore of lore says do they ever play marbles with them i'm just picturing them yeah. like, all like on the ground well, like, racing. You know, like yeah racing marble racing, marble racing uh, with those marble racing with those things i think some of them would uh be at a disadvantage if you look at how they've got like bumps and like some of them that look major much... one can't roll straight no sure. i don't think that one is a good <laughs> racing uh marble they did I'll note that they did specifically in the original interview i took hollywood reporter because that was just the one that had the condos comment on it but they did literally call them marbles so yeah oh. they might actually sell council them. marbles yeah. when the council goes crazy you could say they've lost their marbles <laughs> oh Hey-o. my god how do you do this <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> okay, so this is amazing. Let's, stuff. let's talk about the sea snake, the triarchy, yeah. and the steps. And there's not much to say here. This plot hasn't really gotten started yet. We kind of know how it's going to go. There'll probably be a few surprises, but it hasn't started yet. So the surprises are yet to come, if there are indeed some. We're going to meet this guy, Cragus crab feeder yeah now is he gonna have been burned mm. is that what the deal is or will he, yeah, will like he already have been burned or are we going to see him get burned is my question yeah. will he start oh. out looking like this or will we see this happen yeah maybe it's just maybe something else entirely like he had grayscale or something else who knows but but it could he looks be burned to me i'm gonna guess dragon fire yeah i'm gonna look burned. he's also wearing what looks like a, a sons of the harpy mask which was confusing to me like that like a burned kind of melted one yes oh. Maybe they're just reusing an old prop, but he's definitely not from the from Slaver's Bay. So I was confused about what that is. Yeah, I agree. And the Lyseni are fairly important. There, we did an episode on them a few weeks ago. It was our second to last episode before getting into House of the Dragon coverage, and they're they're a pretty big deal. They they haven't maybe gotten they haven't come to the fore yet, but Mazaria's Lysene as well. So there's a little there's hints here and there, but the Triarchy is obviously one third Lysene. That character is Lysene. Uh, Crag has Drehar. So the Lysenia are important. The Rogaris probably won't be a part of the show, but they might be. They're certainly a big part of the aftermath of the dance. So keep that in mind. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, Rainies apparently are going to push Lena on Viserys from, from some behind the scenes, like a little clip. And that's not a change from not the books. Change. That happens. No, they want her to be the queen. And so, like, yeah, it's a really shitty thing that they do. Like, it's not good, but yeah. they're... They're very ambitious. Like they that. Like ambitious. that's what we've seen. Is that Corlys and and Rhaenys are ambitious people. Yep. Rhaenys wanted to be queen, and this is you know if she can't mm-hmm. be queen, she could be mother of the queen. That's mm-hmm. pretty. That's close. It's closer than she was, and we've, it's well established. Corlys is 
ambitious. Yeah. So yeah, so basically, you Viserys is going to go. Nah, she's too young for me. And then they're going to be like, well, Rhaenyra needs a husband. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm curious and... how much yeah. they'll be twisting his arm or how much he'll be like, yeah, let's do it. That's a great idea. Because like realist, like it is a good idea. Like it is a smart decision. I think. Like I don't really think they need to push him much to yeah. do it to just be like that's a good fit. That is a good fit. Yeah, like yeah. everything else, ignoring everything else. Like they're about the same age. There, mm-hmm. he's the most. That's the richest house. Corlys is obviously yeah. an important guy to have on your yeah. side. Rival so claimants. Rainy get brings the Dragon other. Rider. Yeah, yeah, brings Rainy into the fold. Yeah, it erases some of her like, you know, d- getting voted out or whatever. It, it smooth, soothes that over a little bit. Yeah. So yeah, politically it, it makes a ton of sense. But of course, which is why presumably George wrote this important wrinkle in there, <laughs> which yeah. is Lenor himself is the wrinkle that he is yeah. not so into women. Yeah, there's a big wrinkle there. <laughs> I'm also curious about the uh, the reaction to this because one of the big things out of episode one was everyone going, Otto is a piece of shit. He's clearly pimping out his daughter. But clearly from what we've seen already from episode two, there was that clip going around on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Like Lena is explicitly told that she's there to seduce and marry the Sarah. Yeah. So but everyone really likes Rainey's and Corley. So I'm wondering if that will change the reaction to a little bit. Will it be equally like, wow, they're a lot worse than I thought? Or is there going to be a lot more like, well, they're cool. And I don't like Otto. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's going to be some hypocrisy from people and how they treat Shocking, them. Probably. I, Shocking. You know, I do think so. But uh, somewhat rightfully, because there is a difference. There, I, I, as much, I, I don't want to be an apologist here, but there is a difference <laughs> between suggesting that your daughter marry the king to eventually be better and sending mm-hmm. your daughter to seduce the king in his bed yeah. chain. like that is a there is a difference there yeah i think it's a little dirtier with True. with him being gr- in grief and all that the, the, uh, at least yeah. the valarians are gonna wait a little bit you know, their daughter yeah the grief is part isn't the dirty part to me but I, you know, I agree bad. i agree though that yeah. they're, they're slightly different situations yeah but as you as anyone who watched the clip saw like yeah. they do literally have a line where lena's like well you'll you won't bed me till i'm 14 you know and so he goes, like to viserys's credit he's like Ugh. yeah so you like, <laughs> so, I, I think if they wanted a grim sentence if, yeah. if they wanted to make Corlys and rainy's more likable they would have had a clause that they said like you won't bet her till she's 18 you know like maybe like there's a way yeah. they could have made them more palatable and they didn't um so i but again i don't think like they don't want to whitewash these characters they want to show like hey people suck yeah yeah <laughs> and this is the one of the ways in which they suck they use their children as uh, as ways to rise up as ways to climb the ladder it's sure. it's, it's a, an extension of this theme from the first episode of women are used this way for their child for their wombs so are the the fruits of those wombs, the children get abused in similar ways, uh, whether they're yeah. boys or girls, but the girls more so, uh, clearly, because of things like this. Like, the boys aren't being told to, they have to marry a woman who's that much older and bed them when they're 14. Uh, mm. So, anyway. Also, uh, just quickly, a common reaction to Rainey's in the first episode was her political prowess. How yes. she was sitting there at the tournament and she was reading all the situation. She was explaining what's going on. This is part of that. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she is pushing Lena forward and making the promise is be- like that Lena won't have to bet him until she's 14 or whatever is because Rainey's knows how the game is played. She knows what Otto is doing and she has to counter him. And it's politically savvy, but being politically savvy often means selling your soul. Yeah, yeah, and so there is some survival in that too. Yes, there's ambition, but there is also what will Otto do? Just like they're worried about what Damon would do if he became king. Like, well, yeah. what would these? What would Otto do if he's? Yeah, they see his ambition. They see his his 
closeness to the king and what he's going for. So they, yeah, they, and Corlys has been pushed aside by him. He doesn't like Otto, probably. <laughs> like he was, <laughs> I mean, most of them probably don't. Uh-huh. So, he likes Otto. Yeah, he's not the most likable guy, you know. Yeah, I think I mean, he's just so severe with people. He's, he's just not like he's just not yeah. likable. It's like even when he's not doing the worst thing, he's just not likable in how he approaches it. Yeah. He's so good at that role. Reese Evans is nailing it, even though I've only seen one episode. He's just mm. like so much the like I'm in charge guy. Like I'm True. the his voice and his demeanor is bearing yeah. It's like he's he's nailing it. So yeah, he, especially because he normally plays likable characters. Oh, really? He's playing such an asshole is actually to his credit. I actually don't have a lot of experience seeing him. I, I'm not sure I've seen him before this. Um, so that's <laughs> that's cool. Otto, yeah, he uses that air for a day scene to get Damon off the council, but it's a short-sighted play, just like his other half measures that he calls him. To be fair, Viserys has checked his attempts to get Damon removed from the council entirely, which is one of the things I would agree with Otto on. He's like, yeah, well, honestly, I want to get him off the council entirely. And in that, I think he's being honest. And I can see why he wants to get Otto. He wants to get Damon off the council. Likewise, I see why Damon wants Otto off the council. So that's not defending one isn't, <laughs> isn't agreeing with the other, but mm. I love how they did that. We, we reiterated, this was a thing for fire and blood. They, there's a lot of ambiguity in that scene uh, with the air for a day. And it's a, it's a great, capturing of what fire and blood presents us so given we don't discuss that the fire and blood stuff too much on mondays i wanted to bring that up and, and get your take on this joe magician and how how that is a great example of the ambiguity we get from fire and blood of the multiple sources and how maybe we're going to see lots more of that throughout the season i was really wondering how they're going to do that this was a, this is a great example what did you think yeah it's um i especially love that they cut away before damon actually said yeah because the way matt smith was playing it is that and the way he tried to explain it to Viserys, he's clearly saying that he is heavily distraught over what happened, but he's trying to, I guess, he has his own way of grieving. That's what he said to Viserys. Yeah. So his way was he was trying to surround himself with friends. He was trying to like go out drinking and maybe lighten himself up, but he clearly couldn't. He was sitting there on his own, not talking to anybody. So I'm guessing he said air for the day with a... Um, a very different tone mm. but the tone is lost because Otto yeah um presented it in such a harsh way and i think that's a really good example of what george said in, in the interview you guys had about how history distorts things mm. like we're, we're talking like the history of the night before and clearly that is going to go down in history and it's something that very was probably very different depending on what damon actually said and you know damon does look he's he doesn't well his reaction to viserys is one of um he knows he did wrong, but he also, I think, recognizes that Viserys isn't in a mood to hear his argument back. You know, yeah. he doesn't want to hear that. He's like, listen, I was toasting the kid. I, it was, I was saying it in a sad way. Viserys has the Kingsguard lined up in front of him. He has Blackfire out. He's wearing his crown. He's not there to listen. He's already so threatened to cut his of like, out, you, yeah. Yeah, he's using some emotional intelligence, I think, to be like, I can mend this fence later. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, he can't. Yeah, because he immediately gets stripped of his his title. Yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And I, I wanted to clarify. I think when I when I spoke on on Monday, I kind of I don't I don't, I don't want to say I was apologetic or excused Damon's actions or said that he was sad, but I just want to clarify. I think he was sad about what they said about him mm. i don't think mm. he was sad about prince balon mm. i don't really oh. think that he was he felt much sadness at all about that to be honest I, but i i think that he felt 
shitty for you know how he's he's treated personally. I think it was a selfish sadness. I do, but like that doesn't huh. mean that it, well he wasn't still sad about it. I didn't read it that way because if you watch him at the funeral, he's legitimately yeah, sad. At the he's sad at the funeral. I might have. I, I honestly, I feel like he might have been sadder at Emma's death than at Malon. You know, maybe like oh yeah, maybe it was sure. Emma. You, yeah, you know, it like maybe I, my point is that I don't really think that he was mourning the young prince. I guess I think he was sad. May, that's possible, but he was definitely mourning. Like he was definitely feeling empathy for his brother because he was sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. I can say. Oh, maybe that's. Uh, yeah, maybe yeah, he yeah. felt empathy for his brother. Maybe he felt empathy for Rhaenyra and their loss. But I think he himself yeah. was not. I don't think there's any real part of him that was like, "Oh, I'm sad that that child that was in the way of the throne." Mm. Is maybe gone, maybe really. that's the least sad thing for him out of all. Yeah, of yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. like I don't think he's well, happy about it. Though, yeah. Either, yeah. Like, I don't think he's happy about it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I just yeah, wanted yeah. to be, make it clear what I thought about Damon. That you know, he's very complex. His emotions yeah. are mixed up, and they're not just one thing either. Right on. Let's talk briefly about right, the it's a Matt Smith that we're even talking about. Yeah, that yeah. It's, true. That it's a, that debate. true. He did have that ambiguity on his face. It was very good. It's just one of the reasons why sure. Uh, Sean Brooke and Millie Alcock caught our attention more as actors. And, uh, but Matt Smith gets a lot of credit too. It's not like those were the only two great actors there. There's a lot of great acting. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on the maesters here? The maester conspiracy Ooh. is a ongoing thing and we've considered how it may apply here i have a take let me set up let's let's start off with a take from john malarkey who wrote us today i thought it was a very good one we brought up the possibility Mm -hmm. that maybe alternate to conspiracy theories which which doesn't mean that the conspiracy theories aren't valid but we also have to present the other possibilities one of which is that i suggested on monday maybe just major mellis isn't a very good is just getting older and he's just not all there anymore john malarkey suggests Maybe he's just not that good of a healer in the first place. Maesters yeah. have a lot of jobs. History, politics, ravenry. Heal. Maybe he's just not that great at this. And, of course, the Citadel is going to se- select someone, especially if a grand maester. It's a highly political position. And maybe... Mostly politics. Yeah, yeah, maybe he just isn't that good of a healer. It's a very mundane explanation that I think is... Yeah, why not consider that? I mean, yeah. you don't be such an ageist, is what yeah. they're saying. Yeah, saying it's his age. John Malarkey, yeah. He's John, just, sometimes people just. Suck. He's an old. He doesn't get yeah. it. Yeah. So Malarkey also goes on to say, and this is That's not Malarkey. Malarkey. Yeah. yeah, this is a good point. He says this theory would appear to be supported in the text. When Viserys cuts his hand on the Iron Throne, Melos is unsuccessful at treating it. But it is healed by Rhaenyra's maester Gerardius, who amputates the fingers. And Ger- Gildane even suggests in the texts that Melos's leeching was less efficacious than the potions of Gerardius. And remember, he suggests leeching. I did. I forgot about yeah. that. He suggests leeching in the scene. So that's a very good attention to detail by the showrunners again. Oh, oh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna assume T gets credit for that one, yeah. but, but maybe not. Maybe Ryan <laughs> or one of the others noticed that. But that's a really good connection there that they noticed that Melos preferred leeching in Fire and Blood, so they had him do that here in Episode One. And yeah, good, good call. I like that. Uh, so yeah, Joe, let's hear your thoughts on some of this. Where do you th- where do you stand? So on the I brought up the same things during my uh, stream after the episode, where I noticed that they before you get to the birth scene, you mentioned they have the thing where uh, Viserys is wounded already. He has the thing on his back that um that they're trying to treat and you notice melos has been treating it unsuccessfully but it's the young maester the very young one who looks like he's like maybe like 20 or something just goes like why don't we just cauterize this and melos goes oh yeah of course i guess that's what we should do which interesting the fact that the young guy suggested it so fast and it's so obvious that melos agreed to it suggests either he's bad at it or he was being intentionally bad at it yes one of the two i'm guessing it was unintentionally for the reasons you said like 
the the grand maester often has other maesters underneath them like um it's unusual the way Pycelle did it where it's basically a one-man show kind of yes most of them have like apprentices to to deal with the other stuff going on in the red keep so but if you wanted to go conspiratorial there definitely could be an idea that melos is giving intentionally bad advice yes or he seems to have a close relationship with Otto hightower and I, my chat didn't like this i was like oh my god what if he actually killed balon like maybe that's why he died so quickly but they did the cough thing very yeah, quickly so yeah. that was obviously and the baby was never that. crying but, so the baby was always weak you know yeah, that's yeah. a big deal yeah but still. but the, i think the more reasonable version of that is did he give Viserys bad advice about how safe it was for emma to get pregnant again did he intentionally give her that kind of advice I totally saying agree, like yeah. listen she's strong she's a targaryen she's exceptional she can get through it whereas i think most competent healers at the time probably would have said like you know after like six kids and five of them dying maybe give it up it would have been yeah. like elia where they're like no more or like nerys queen nerys who yeah, was like, exactly. Don't, like the maesters were like no more they can't she can't have another child so i that's that's kind of the, cons- the conspiracy here maybe they're going to expand it more bad or intentionally bad yeah okay right on and yeah, and there's a little more to that, like the the, the bath temperature, like they wouldn't let her have a hot mm-hmm. temperature where Danny loved hot baths. And it's like, that's, that's, that's small. Those are small things. But if you add them all up, maybe there's something going on. Yeah, so I, think that, yeah on. I think that speaks more to her lack of power and control over her own life than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Just that Quite she possibly. can't even choose her own damn like bath temperature. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. We actually have a I have a whole section on childbirth here, but we're we're running short on time, and childbirth is going to be a theme that continues mm. to be important throughout the season. So we can we can come back to this some other time. Let's let's move on, and we'll sure. we'll get to the dream and all that stuff because that's uh, one of the main things we've got you here for, Joe. <laughs> Another question that came through was uh, from Tanaman. Other people brought this question up too, but but Tanaman were using their uh, version of the question, just comparing the simplicity, putting it simply. The idea that there must be a Targaryen on the Iron Throne, considering Aegon's dreams, versus there must always be a Stark in Winterfell. Comparing those two concepts, it's a good catch. Like, yeah, hmm, I wonder where, you know, that might just be more of a political thing, but maybe there's a supernatural reason behind that as well. Maybe, I mean, it's well established that prophecies can be detected by multiple sources, right? The prince that was promised is not a Targaryen-only prophecy, Mm -hmm. Melisandre came up, had the idea. Other, it existed before the Targaryens. I mean, it's really old. Azor Ahai is an ancient legend, ancient prophecy. Multiple people have detected uh, other prophecies that exist. There's plenty of examples of that, of of like the Werewood Net gets it, so does the Red Priests. So it's entirely possible that Starks of old had some reason to think that similar to a Targaryen must sit the Iron Throne, we must have a Stark in Winterfell. Do you have any thoughts on that? it comes from Aegon. Yeah, maybe it does. Um, I suggested in my um, my video on the other day, and I'm not the first one to come up with this by far, but the idea that maybe Torrin and Aegon came to sort of an understanding. Like, what if Aegon believed that part of the prophecy was that why he didn't nuke the, the Starks off the face of the earth is that he believed that they were going to be important. Maybe not just like practically in terms of having a 45,000 man strong army if something happens, but also the idea if he somehow saw them prophetically as an important part of it, mm-hmm. especially if you look forward to the future, it'd be funny if Aegon, like um, one of the important things about the prophecies that we're going to get into is the time is very much uncertain as long as what you're seeing. So it'd be funny if Aegon saw something, thought it was about Torrin, 
and it was actually like something like John in the future. Oh yeah, because mm-hmm. there's so many theories that, and you got me started on this a long time ago, and I think it's a, one of the mm-hmm. one of the very good theories about what the Targaryens have been dreaming of is they're dreaming of mm-hmm. Danny. They're they, they all thought they were Danny. Exactly. It's the one that like Aerys thinking he's gonna go on a pyre and burn up Aegon, and dragon Arian. Arian. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. It really is all over the place. So if you can include that idea, yeah, it fits super well. And then you throw in something like like you said, Torin Stark, the king who knelt. That adds so much to this meeting between Aegon and Torin, and why he knelt mm-hmm. instead of they fought. Usually, because a lot of Starks, a lot of Northerners were like, "Why they didn't showed they up fight? to fight?" Yeah, and they did. You, they, you're right. They showed up to fight, and the one his brothers like, "I'll assassinate the dragons." They were ready to go, but no, they just said no. And of course, it makes sense. You can easily explain that. Yeah, he could see that they were going to lose, so he bent the knee. Simple as that. But. <laughs> There's definitely room for There's it more. to be more. <laughs> There's room for more. Room for a lot Especially because you hear in the aftermath of that um, Torrin basically faced down several small rebellions afterwards. He lost control of some of his vassals because of that. And some of them it's went true. to Essos to form a uh, a sellsword company because they were so pissed at him That's for true. not even attempting to fight. Yeah. And, so, and we and we see sense. and we see the northerners very often they're quite willing to die. They're like, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, we're here to die. What is it? We what come is, to die for the we come to die for the dragon. Exactly, Roddy the Ruin. I mean, you have you have northerners like that. You're like, of course they came to die. Like they don't care that they're going to lose. That's they're that's fine for them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah, so it really does add a lot to that kneeling uh, more than we might have more than we would have suspected at first. So that's that's great. Uh, a couple more things here that segue us into this greater dragon dream topic a couple of super chats from mr marmello from new zealand hype hashtag masters master z and hype ashori hightower we got some nicknames added to this don't we (laughs) Um, and this this great question from lore of lore go ahead by the way, how dirty is the throne that the cuts get infected like that? I just really <laughs> oh, yeah. like that idea because of two things. One, I like the idea of like someone like coming around and like cleaning each sword on the throne, like dusting Terrible it, job. you know? <laughs> Terrible job. But then I also really like the idea of uh, someone putting poison on the tips of, the, of it, knowing oh, that like if you just touch it, then yeah. you like you get them. Interesting. I just, interesting. Yeah. I wonder if that's what like Targaryen kicks kings into their naughty kids go clean every sword (laughs) yeah it's like Tyrion being made to clean all the cisterns it's like you gotta clean every sword on the iron throne there's hundreds (laughs) when you're done use a toothbrush actually we don't have toothbrushes use some use a feather (laughs) (laughs) okay so a song of ice and fire og Aegon version it's not often we get a chance to just rethink everything but like i met brought up at the beginning with king bran that is a probably a good parallel example of something that makes us have to look at half the lore all over again it's a real a true we should start back moment so Viserys may not share it with his new heir his new son Aegon but there's so many questions coming like that like when Aegon is born he's not gonna tell him right away but when he comes of age is he gonna well he's gonna always see Rhaenyra as his heir he's never gonna pivot from that he's gonna insist she's his heir but it doesn't so we probably won't see Aegon the second find out that way, but who will she, who else will she tell? You brought that up earlier, and we got. It's important to note that we're covering like twenty eight years of timeline here in this first season. That's a lot of like people being born, people passing down the song, maybe even more than once. So it's long been suspected by some. This theory, the idea that Aegon was a dreamer, has existed since there was only one book out, but there was nothing to prove it. It was just something that people creatively thought up. Turns out they were onto something. And you were 
you and I guess Crowfoot's daughter were probably the first two to really turn me on to the idea. I remember one stream mm-hmm. where I was just like, no, no, no. And then by the end of the stream, I was like, I remember by the end stream. of the stream, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all totally convinced me in the course of about 45 minutes. <laughs> so that's, that's what I mean at the beginning of these. You are reasonable. You just, it's hard to get over the, your wall of reason. Yeah, once you get over there, yeah. you have to get over You're right. Once I'm over, once we're over the wall, we're over it. But you're right. Uh, sometimes that wall is tall. <laughs> so, so yeah, speak to us for a minute on, on how this came around. Take your, yeah. take your victory lap and, and tell us whatever you want to say about, about this as we to lead us into it. So I have a whole playlist on my channel called Dreams of Dragons, where I routinely add things to them that tangentially talk about this. And it's up to like 25 videos and streams at this point. That's nice. <laughs> um, obviously, as you said, me and Amanda are by no means the first people to think of this. The fandom's long and wide and not everything gets documented. Not everyone puts it on YouTube or a podcast. So yeah. it's one of those things where if you thought of something, somebody probably did too. <laughs> you just haven't heard about it. But in particular, one thing that me and Amanda, and this actually goes back to my Waymar Royce theory, the one I did back in the day, the, mm. the one that won uh, Best New Theory on the Song of Ice and, Song of Ice and Fireboard, mm. is the idea that I think that prophecy has a much bigger role than people give it credit for, that you should be looking for it in places that you're not, that you, you don't think you should. Like the Waymar theory is just the idea, do the others have prophecy too? Are they looking for the prince that was promised from the other side? And so a lot of um, those yeah. kind of <laughs> or, yeah, yeah. To kill them before they can get him. Yeah. I mean, we're not talking about that one. I mean, maybe that one will become true in that sense. That'd be kind of fun. Yeah. But specifically for Aegon the Conqueror and the Targaryen Kings, they have so many strange decisions they make totally bonkers things, especially guys like Baylor the Blessed, but other Kings who just like completely veer off the beaten path. Um, Aegon the fifth is maybe the biggest one with Summerhall, which is kind of what got me going. Mm-hmm. And it's what the hell was he thinking? And it's if you imagine all the Targaryen kings like as a cloud, I guess, (laughs) uh, just like floating there, there's this one string. And if you tug on it, all of a sudden they all go in a straight line. All their decisions make sense. If you assume that they're reacting to prophetic dreams, dragon dreams, and particularly the Song of Ice and Fire, suddenly characters like um Aegon the fourth he seems like he's just trying to burn down the world but what if he thinks the world the world is ending anyway he has no dragons and there's nothing he can do about it well one reaction to that might be well screw it <laughs> whatever just enjoy the time i have left there's no point in fighting it or just make Other a million people... targaryens and one of them will survive yeah. like that's what he legitimizes yeah. all his bastards that made a lot of targaryens even though they didn't call themselves sure. targaryen still you know Aegon the third he hates dragons but he tries to bring them back anyway despite his well, I'm not going to spoil why he hates them, but Highly there's a telling, very good reason yeah. for it. Highly telling. Um, yeah. And <laughs> like Daron the First and Baylor and all the crazy things he does. You just tug that that string of prophecy and dragon dreams. Again, you can find an easy logical reason for everything. And I think that's an important part of the story that a lot of people have overlooked because the way it's presented, especially in the ancient histories and the world of ice and fire and the way characters talk about it is not like this. None of the, the maesters don't document this stuff at all. Actually, that's been one of the biggest pushbacks I've been getting on my videos about it. And people are like, but that's not what fire and blood said. I'm like, I'm saying it was wrong. Yeah. I'm saying they intentionally did not know about this. Viserys straight you, up says that it's not in the histories. It's, 
it won't be in the histories. Yeah. That's the point. You just have to kind of look look at them empathetically and imagine how would you react to learning this. Yeah. And if you put yourself in their shoes, you can kind of see it. Like the idea with Summerhall that you mentioned is my idea was that Egg saw a vision of Daenerys hatching the dragon eggs, mm-hmm. and but he saw it symbolically. Symbolically, he saw it in the way that we know that Daemon the Second and Daron do, where it's not literal it's really hard to figure it out so he interpreted and then tried to make it true unfortunately as many targaryens do their attempt makes the future happen yes same thing with arian and Ares, where they have this crazy idea that wildfire will turn them into dragons it's like what the hell is that about well (laughs) danny walks into the flames and walks out with dragons you can see how that imagery could cross over into itself and the big reveal here is obviously Aegon the Conqueror is the one with the Song of Ice and Fire dream that he saw the others coming um, and how that motivated him to conquer Westeros and all this, all those other weird logic things. Like one of them is like, why didn't he help the Night's Watch? Why didn't he, why did he focus so much on Dorne? Well, because he thought he needed a united Westeros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. that, that was a big part of it. He saw himself as the king of all, and that's the only way he could win. So I watched one of your would... I watched one of your oh, videos God. as well, and you said you pointed out that the wall was in very good shape at that point too. It's it's in, not, it was in good shape. Yeah. It didn't need. That's one thing I think people forget. A lot of work yeah. at that point. Yeah. <laughs> when when Aegon took on Hair in the Black, he basically didn't have an army. He just had Balerion. He had a few river lords supporting him, yeah. but they were iffy. And it was a real threat if Lord Commander Hor was going to march all his troops down and kill Aegon and Rhaenys and Visenya and take out their dragons. They're like, maybe they could. The Night's Watch is nothing to mess with. Yeah. So why would you need to improve it when they're already doing well? And I think it's, um, we talked earlier about Aenys and Magor and how they seem to be reacting to it too in just different ways. I think it's a really cool way that George has been doing this. And it makes sense, obviously, when you look at his other works. So much of his other works are about these weird, dreamy, time travel-y things yes. where it just, it just kind of comes up. And he likes imagining how it's a very, okay, it's a very George exercise to imagine, I'm going to take 18 people, I'm going to give them the same prophecy, how do they react? 18 different ways. Into a history. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, so let me add a couple things to what you said. That was that was fantastic. What a great lead into all this topic. I've been talking about it for like three weeks straight. Yeah, got, I got it down. You do have it down. You can tell. Yeah, you, you've got it honed. It's sharpened like Valyrian steel. So a couple things. Aegon, like you said, Aegon's dream could have been interpreted wrong. He could have gotten plenty of things wrong. That's another thing. Like, why didn't he do more here and there? Well, we don't mm-hmm. know what was in his dream. And we know that no dream is possible to tell to somebody else. He told his interpretation of his dream to his heir, right. and that was, it's like the game of telephone. It's not even like they're reading the same prophecy. They're being told by a different person. Now, so in some cases, maybe it was written down. Maybe some of them did read about it. After all, Rhaegar read about stuff. Ares I read about stuff. So there's options there as well. But you're right. If you look at even looking at Magor's actions, Magor went after the faith. That was like one of the defining things of his role. Well, why didn't Aegon tell the world about his prophecy well that i got a great answer for that first of all people would think he was crazy potentially but second of all very much so second of all even if you take that away he was trying to openly uh, take on the religion of his people which was the faith of the seven you can't take on the faith of the seven yet also speak to the prophecy of a song of ice and fire which has nothing to do with the faith Mm -hmm. of the seven would be completely blasphemous 
So he would be undermining his attempt to seem like a worshiper of the faith. The faith, the high septon would be like, nah, dog. What the hell is that? You know, what is this? What is this? <laughs> Something saying, bring back nah, dog. Yeah, he's like, nah, dog. Yeah, sorry, we're not down with that. Yeah, but it's just, it just doesn't work, right? So he can't come openly, openly doing that. So maybe that's why Magor hated the faith. He's like, this is the reason we can't. I mean, it's. It doesn't excuse what Magor does. That's, that's gonna be. Oh no, nothing. Nothing excuses it. It just makes you understand. Yeah, it's like, well, maybe this was his twisted logic. Well, like he thinks, oh, I got to get yeah. rid of the faith because they're the reason we can't openly talk about this prophecy <laughs> and like really get the world ready for it. And you're right; and it to, explains Thorn and all your, these other things. Yeah, oh, go ahead. Oh, to add on to your example about them getting it wrong, I think people misunderstand how wrong they get it. Like my favorite one is Damon the Second in the uh, the Mystery Night. He sees a dragon hatching from an egg at White Walls. And by the end of the story, it's, oh, no, it wasn't a real dragon. It was a metaphorical dragon. It was about Aegon's uh, confidence in how he will become king. It's like, if that's the level of misunderstanding George is playing with, you should have no expectation that Aegon or his or his predecessors got it even remotely right because yeah. how could you Couldn't. how could you see that dream and go oh this is obvious about the youngest son of makar who's nowhere near the throne and become <laughs> king someday yeah that's impossible and and, and the, the the dream is unite now Shea and i a drum we've been banging a long time applies here which is that we have been saying azor high not so much a warrior but a uniter someone who unites mm. people john snow uniting wildlings uh northerners night's watch stannis's people daenerys uniting dothraki unsullied giscari etc ironborn whoever else is going to be in her army red priests whatever that's the true quality of azor high that matters most so if aegon mm. dreamed of this prince that was promised which maybe is the same as azor's high he interprets unite as conquer and right there, you've got, okay, so people are like, oh, Aegon had a justification. No, he didn't. He had an interpretation. And if it's if he interpreted unite as conquer, then you can easily see where he was like, dude, that that's not uniting so much as forcing, you know? <laughs> mm. So that right there, you've got an explanation for something that Aegon interpreted that he could have easily been wrong about, you know? And His like you said, there's too. so many if, possibilities. If, Azor, if Azor High is a uniter... Aenys is the uniter. But if Azor High is the man with the flaming sword, that's Magor. Yeah. Both of them taking totally different interpretations of the same thing. Mm -hmm. Totally. With the same dragon, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. That's Contemporaries at the same time just veering wildly on what they have to do. So, uh, consider that how much groundwork is in place for this as well. We have Daenerys' visions in the House of the Undying. Let's also have Viserys' uh, quote. We have the uh, the transcript here. Let's let's read that first, just to refresh ourselves. Where do you want me to start from the? Quote? Um, That's my question. I mean, didn't I never we never talked about that, so I don't actually know what you want. What start I don't with know. The idea, the idea that we just control dragons. Oh, the idea that we control the dragons is an illusion. They're a power man should never have trifled with. One that brought Valyria its doom. If we don't mind our own histories, it will do the same to us. Targaryen must understand this to be king or queen. Then he goes on. Um, which other part did you want? The, just the dream itself. There's something else. Okay, let's see. Our histories, they tell us that Aegon looked across the black water from Dragonstone and saw a, land, a rich land ripe for the capture. But ambition alone is not what drove him to conquest. It was a dream. And just as Daenys foresaw the end of Valyria, Aegon foresaw the end of the world of men. Tis to begin with a terrible winter gusting out of the distant north. 
Aegon saw absolute darkness riding on those winds, and whatever dwells within will destroy the world of the living. When this great winter comes, Rhaenyra, all of Westeros must stand against it, and if the world of men is to survive, a Targaryen must be seated on the Iron Throne, a king or queen strong enough to unite the realm against the cold and the dark. Aegon called his dream the Song of Ice and Fire. Um, that's it. Yeah, that's good cool. enough. Okay, so credits. Yeah. So a couple points there as well. Some things that are very interesting on the surface that deserve mention. One is that uh, it says the Targaryens is at the Iron Throne to beat them and to unite the realm. Now, if we remember show by I think sh- that's interpretation. Yeah, by show canon, definitely. Daenerys was arguably on the Iron Throne, but arguably she wasn't. And but the realm definitely was not united in show canon when the others were defeated. Like they were big time war still raging in the south. Euron was still on the loose. Cersei was still doing her thing. Presumably in the book canon, Fagon might be around. So I, my interpretation of this is that the dream itself basically was telling him, hey, you guys need to have dragons for this. They took it and have, as it has been passed down, now Viserys is saying it as if we need to be on the Iron Throne. But I don't personally think that the original dream had anything to do with the Iron Throne or having conquered Westeros or being mm, the ruler. I think it had to do with their power. But I, my question there and where it maybe got lost in translation from Aegon to Viserys is that Viserys does not seem like he loves his dragons or that he prizes oh, them mm, as like yeah. the defenders. So if he knew that it was the dragons that's, that was what they needed to defend themselves, I feel like there would be a couple of things. One, they, there would be like a mandate like, hey, make sure we have more dragons. Let's have dragon eggs. And, like, I feel like there would be more of a focus on it. And I don't think he would have approached the conversation this way. But that doesn't mean that Aegon didn't dream of the dragons being important. It just means that it hasn't passed down to Viserys. Yeah, I agree with you there. That's a real conundrum about the Viserys is like, we never should have messed with dragons. We never should have messed with dragons. On the other hand, Aegon had this dream that we have to and the dragons <laughs> were important. So like, that's a real puzzler. What do you think, Joe Magician? I think, um, I think, Ashay, you bring up a really good point that just because that's what Aegon said to Aenys or Magor does not mean that's what he saw. Like, and even if what he saw, you can't even trust what that is. So it's very likely that, like, um, I hate this this image from the House of the Undying, but there's one of the the dwarfs around the woman. Mm-hmm. Like, what if he saw something like that, mm. and then like they were wearing like sigils or something like that? And he's like, oh, that means I must rule all of them or something like yes. that. It's like it's entirely plausible. It's that hard to understand. And also, um, Viserys goes back and he describes what we know as the others, but to him, to Aegon, he would have been like. How are you supposed to pinpoint what that means? Yeah, what is a, that? An endless winter, <laughs> and it's like riding in darkness. Like, what the hell does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? Yeah, it's very odd. Yeah, riding, like riding what? I mean, yeah, it's very confusing. So it's very, you can see why it would be very open to interpretation. A Song of Ice and Fire is rife with prophecy can't be trusted type considerations and, and hints. So there's no reason why we should take Aegon's dream as perfectly interpreted or perfectly accurate or, yeah, or also not to use hindsight just because we know it's the others doesn't mean they do right they probably literally i i i'm curious if any of them figured out that dream meant the others are returning yeah did they ever make the connection yeah yeah 
Yeah, did they make that connection? Who did they? Are they what aware did they, of those what? Legends? Did they know yeah. about the others in the first place? Maybe yeah. Allison, because she's the only one that went to the wall. You think she would? She might be the only one that figured it out. Yeah, yeah. maybe. Yeah, because you like the others. Yeah, did they ever consider that was the? They make, like you said, did they make that connection? Is it like this is the ancient evil, this this darkness? But have they heard of the others? Like this is this is some really they're, old they're story known. from the north. But yeah, they are known. They're newcomers. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the newcomers. <laughs> and also, no, like that's I, I said this in my video. That is a primary part of both stories. Nobody believes them, even when they're back. Yeah, so at totally, to your point, right. why did Aegon not tell anybody? Even if he figured it out, everyone would call him crazy. It's like, what, the others? What, you mean like snarks and grumpkins yeah. and giants? Those things don't exist. Yeah, and it had been, what, 7,700 years since they had been seen <laughs> in his time? Yeah. Now it's 8,000? Like, yeah, it's not that different, really. <laughs> yeah, like, so, Garrett... There's a lot of room for error. Yeah, Garrett ran away in fear rather than expect to be Literally believed. Literally told Ned. Yeah, right? Yeah, Ned didn't believe it either. So, yeah, you're right. Like, even if the Stark and Winterfell doesn't believe it, like, how is... <laughs> How are the Targaryens going to conceive that properly? So, yeah, it's it, there's a lot of what we take for granted as knowledge. We have to put ourselves in their shoes, and it's a very different exactly. picture. But if we fast forward to some things that George has laid clues for, let's have one of the most important quotes from Danny's House, The Undying Vision, where she encounters her brother. Viserys was her first thought the next time she paused, but a second glance told her otherwise. The man had her brother's hair, but he was taller, and his eyes were a dark indigo rather than lilac. Aegon, he said to a woman nursing a newborn babe in a great wooden bed. What better name for a king? Will you make a song for him? The woman asked. He has a song, the man replied. He is the prince that was promised, and his is the song of ice and fire. He looked up when he said it, and his eyes met Danny's, and it seemed as if he saw her standing there beyond the door. There must be one more, he said, though whether he was speaking to her or to the woman in the bed, she could not say. The dragon has three heads. He went to the window seat, picked up a harp, and ran his fingers lightly over its silvery strings. Sweet sadness filled the room as man and wife and babe faded like the morning mist only the music lingering behind to speed her on her way the song the, the music song, yeah. behind her what roll song boy this passage has always been amazing and it's now it's even Ooh, more chills, amazing yeah. chills. it's so good so reading a so uh, it's a lot of things to say about this quote first of all it's huge that it's it's the only time a song of ice and fire is ever said in a song of ice and fire except for when danny repeats this dream she says it out loud like right. two other times so it's either this or danny repeating it that's it and uh, one okay. huge thing pointed out to me uh, by shout out to Sweet Sunray, uh, Jill on Twitter. Um, she pointed out that Rhaegar is looking right at her as if it's like passing yeah. on the knowledge of the dream. And maybe that's in an important point. But also, how about the fact that no one passed it down to Danny, but she got it anyway? <laughs> Like <laughs> almost like there was somebody else involved in making sure it happened. Yeah, someone else, people, other people who know about the prophecy and need to make sure it gets in the right hands. Maybe like a Quaith. Quaith is a great example because we, at the time of our last Valar Reredus, we noted that everyone who Danny meets at Karth wants something from her except Quaith. Quaith is only there to tell her things, which was always a little peculiar because it's like everybody has an agenda. 
everybody has an agenda. What is this Quaithe? Just some nice person that's just here to help Danny? Clearly can't be that. But if she's thinks she's helping save the world, well, then that makes a lot of sense. Even though it's big, high magic that maybe we're not suspecting would have been in place at that point, it definitely fits. Um, what about? I've got more to say about this, but Joe Magician, let's let's hear from you now on some of this. So. One thing that has been come up a lot is the idea, I think we're probably going to get those, but the idea of like a broken chain of knowledge. It seems very likely that Robert's Rebellion broke both sides of the chain of knowledge from the Targaryens, that it seems like Rhaegar was tuned in, probably Eris, because he seems to be a dragon dreamer himself. But also, if you assume the Starks know about the Song of Ice and Fire, remember that Ned was not the heir to Rickard. To Rickard. Rickard and the heir died far away from him. So it's possible that at Robert's Rebellion doom the world in a way mm. by cutting them both off and it'd be it'd be it makes a lot of sense that Rhaegar would know about it we have his letters to Aemon where they're arguing about it and he's like well I'm the prince well no it's my kid the stories that he's in the scrolls that he goes to summer hall all the time the idea that he already knows he knows the tune to the song of ice and fire he can play it on the harp that's pretty insane yeah. <laughs> uh, also to the thing that um a sweet sunrise said to you this is something I've wondered about a while especially it's especially something that I think you'll you guys will appreciate as you read George's old works. He loves the idea of doorways. He wants he likes the idea that a door in like magic or reality can go both ways. Mm. You know, you step through one way, you can go back. And it would be fascinating thinking about like the summer hall idea about the ripples in the dreamscape. Mm. If Rhaegar also saw Danny at the same time, and that this moment is so important that it echoed back to him the oh. same as he she is seeing him. Nice. Like it was a, a meeting across time. That would I, be very cool. I love that idea because we've already raised this issue. Like other Targaryens were dreaming of her in their visions, well, not Rhaegar. And she Why often her, sees yeah. herself as Rhaegar. What if she's having Rhaegar's dreams from the past? Because it's the same prophecy that they're both tapping into. Their right. bloodline, the Targaryen bloodline, gives them this magical ability to see the same thing. The same thing in the future that they're all seeing. It's not, yeah, it's the same event that they're all time traveling through their dreams to see in some way or the visions of the future well, george uses the metaphor of a river so yeah. they're, they're seeing each other on the same point in the river it like it's like the sense. bend and they can see each other across it yeah and they just aren't sure what they're seeing they're maybe seeing metaphorical dragons as real dragons instead of people well, and yeah sometimes they see each other sometimes they see each other some Ooh, it makes it, it gets even more interesting when Rhaegar saw danny what do you think keith made of that if this actually Ooh, happened yeah. if he turned around and saw just a woman standing in the door that he's never seen before what do you think what do you think he made of i that? think in this dream he's thinking of the one more when he sees yeah, her i think he's thinking next, that's who he thinks that's the vicenia exactly what if he thinks his that's his, his next daughter yeah i think that's what he that's a great yeah theory. yeah yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he he I, I do i do feel very strongly as everyone knows that rhaegar just thought he was gonna have a girl yeah like i, I, I like, feel rhaegar I really so. thought that it's john Visenya snow that's his yeah <laughs> john senya yes yeah. <laughs> it's not a ship yeah, <laughs> yeah usually he, that's a ship yeah, he's, he's not aegon he's not aemon he's not jaharis he's Visenya. which is why it's actually really funny too in house of the dragon how we had that line like we already have our Visenya. yeah that's the mm. whole thing it's like a recurring thing it's like yeah. them wanting to fill the three heads of the dragon and all that uh, Visenya is Visenya's birth By episode way, 10 i really think just, that's what's gonna happen just quick just quick digression but we, we you know, I saw a Twitter poll asking who people thought was the Visenya that Viserys was referring to. It has to be Damon. Damon. I we thought it was. I'm like I had zero doubt in my mind. It was, and I still, to be clear, have zero doubt. I'm like these people are wrong, but it was like thirty percent people thought Damon. 
Only thirty percent. Only like thirty percent. It was but there was like four 90. options. People He's thought Virginia. people thought it was Rainiera or that it was What's, like I know it was cra- I, I, again <laughs> I know again again I'm like they were just super wrong, but I was astonished <laughs> by how many people were that wrong to vote. It was Damon was not the majority. The poll wasn't over when I finished, wow. but uh, anyways, digression. But I, I we didn't even consider the idea that it would be anyone up other than Damon. It just is so obvious because literally he says we already have Arvasenia. And how is your brother? Yeah. It's very clear. Whether if the series didn't mean that, Emma sure took it as him meaning that. <laughs> people are never wrong on the internet, Ashea. They're they're always nobody's ever wrong. Oh, there, I think that so. was the other people said maybe the third child. There was like one other option. I was like oh. it was weird. I, I don't know. People are wrong. Hmm. Anyway, yeah. Okay. Well that'll be more clear. I don't think that'll become yeah. more clear over time. Maybe. Maybe not. Yeah. Oh, just uh, quickly, I want to say hi to uh, Crowfoot's daughter. She showed oh, up in the yeah. chat. Oh, hey, Amanda. Um, she she woke up and started DMing me, and I think she's going to start making videos again. Yeah. Oh, she's inspired again. That's fantastic. <laughs> she's yeah. very inspired by the uh, Aegon and the Dream Talk. So fantastic. I think we're going to get some more insights from Crowfoot's well, daughter. Well, that's another thing we can thank Ryan Condal for then. Ryan Condal got Amanda to start making videos <laughs> again. <laughs> Well, she's at least thinking about them, yeah. actually. And also, um, Archmaester Emma, she wrote that really... Actually, this is in the doc. We're going to talk about it yeah, later. But she wrote a really good essay after um, after the first episode. And, um, well, she really liked my videos, to say the yeah. least. So she, she kind of so like, filled in a lot of blanks cool. that I left. All right. Actually, only one more point I have to make before we get to what Emma... The point that Emma raises, which is which is indeed a really good one. Uh Something about Rhaegar that I think is interesting. It's it's definitely something to put on the shelf. It's not something to decide about now. But it, Rhaegar knew that he was, or thought, rather. He knew, meaning was convinced. Obviously, we know he was wrong. He thought that he was himself the prince that was promised, and his children were the prince that was promised. But despite fulfilling a prophecy, he was still not didn't force his wife to have another kid now again no. liana who like he, he handled that badly <laughs> i don't think there's any reason why he had to announce it in front of everybody at the tournament i don't see any reason why the prophecy called for that so there's certainly this is not excuse Rhaegar's behavior but it definitely adds a wrinkle to like he cared enough about his wife that he wasn't forcing her to have a child even when he thought the world depended on it he's like yeah. oh no why don't i just have a kid with someone else you know yeah. so anyway just something else to add to the uncertainty around Rhaegar as a person. Um, at least in this, he comes out as better than Viserys. <laughs> but maybe, I mean, there's maybe other examples, other too, that show how bad Viserys is. Like, um, Reyna screaming at Storm's End is a direct parallel. They, yes. it's literally, they lifted that scene and turned it. Yeah. They turned um, Rogar into Viserys, but otherwise it's the same thing. We're right. only missing somebody screaming at him at this point, yeah. which maybe is coming. Yeah, yeah, I have to wonder if it's possible that Rhaenyra might get angry about this still to come. Like, she's kind of... Sure. Has dealt with it, you know. Yeah, she, yeah, she's kind of has has tampered it down and isn't dealing with it. But I, I, I feel like she's still got anger about it. Yeah, he was a little bit. Viserys was a little bit a hypocrite about that. I mean, in a few ways. But one Fair in particular on. that I think I haven't seen people mention is that he said... Like he yelled at Damon for partying while instead of comforting him or Rhaenyra. And then when he goes to talk to Rhaenyra, Rhaenyra's like, you haven't said a word to me since the funeral. It's like, you haven't done that either. Absolutely. (laughs) He's just been playing with his toys and not talking to his daughter. (laughs) Absolutely. So like he came around. That was definitely hypocritical. Uh, So yeah, let's talk about what Emma's point. Emma's point is really good. This is one that has long permeated the fandom one that people have looked at but they didn't have the reason to look at it like we've ever had now emma went straight to it all the winters that we have on record 
And how did the Targaryens behave during those winters? Did they think, oh my God, whenever there was a long winter, did they panic and think, oh my God, this is it? (laughs) And Joe, you Mm -hmm. mentioned this earlier, like some of their behavior is a little weird, but it's a lot less weird when you look at it under the light of the Song of Ice and Fire. For example, one of my favorites is during the year, the fall spring, the year 281, right before Robert's Rebellion, there was a really nasty winter. When the one where Ares was using wildfire to drive away some of the cold. He was, like, putting pi- wildfire lamps up exactly. and things like that. So, like, yeah, it was set up even there. And then many other examples. What are some of your favorite examples, Joe Magician? Um, shout well, out Archmaster is, Emma, by the way. Yes. Archmaster <laughs> Emma, yeah. Um, let me just – I'm going to throw the link in the chat so people can go read it. So, yeah. Um, I think the one that uh, really hit me – I had never really thought about, and I didn't realize that Aegon's attempted conquests of Dorne overlapped with the start of winter. Yes. Like, specifically his attack on Planky Town. I never noticed that either. How he, <laughs> how he all of a sudden was like, I have to conquer Dorne. This cannot wait. Everything stops until I get them under my rule. And it's like, boy, that was a weird decision. It's like, well, no, not if he thinks this is the end of the world. Yeah. So many of these characters, like the second a snow, like, one snowflake drops the Targaryen kings just go like uh oh oh shit <laughs> <laughs> and there are some particularly nasty winters on oh, record also the shivers the shivers one really got Ooh, me about yeah. Jaharis and how he was like he, if he interpreted the this is another thing that makes me think that they didn't really know what Aegon's dream meant because they panicked at the fact that the Targaryens were getting sick by uh, the shivers and it's like well maybe if they thought it was a plague coming from the north that was going to end all life it would make sense why it wasn't just oh no i lost my i lost my daughter and some of my and some of my family's dying it's like what if this is the end what if this is literally the end and i can't do anything about it do you remember and you of course remember how they react to her coming down with the shivers jaris has that really odd reaction like she needs a dragon she has to have a dragon get her a dragon right. like that is always really mm-hmm. strange not so much now now it's like oh hmm. interesting <laughs> She she also said something about Rhaenyra that there's during the dance does a winter fall or it starts to or something like that. Uh, yeah, the, the winter starts in one thirty. It ha- starts about halfway through the war, so we'll see if the so show. So you can does imagine that. how much that must have freaked out Rhaenyra mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with Viserys gone. Obviously, he dies before the dance starts. She like the war is going on, and she's like, "I have to go north. I have to I have to treat with the lords of Winterfell." She sends Jace mm-hmm. up to treat with them. And then all, but then all of a sudden she's like, how am I supposed to fight whatever's going on in the North when I have this full scale rebellion against me? If she must've felt absolutely helpless, like so much this pressure. is doomsday. Yeah. It's not just, it's not just a civil war. It's not just that her fam- she might lose. It's that everybody might lose if she doesn't win this war. Yeah. That one hit me really hard. That was really good by Emma. Yeah. Very true. I, I guess, is this a good point time for me to ask my question for y'all about who knew at this point in the books? I do want to like we're, we're talking you're speaking to the, the house of the dragon canon right here but to be mm. clear Ryan Condal said that they told him that George told them that Aegon had this dream of the song mm-hmm. of ice and fire and they extrapolated from there about it being passed on yeah because that makes sense and it's like well if Aegon yeah George didn't tell them that he passed it down he just makes a lot of sense he didn't tell them that they didn't pass it down yeah. to be clear as well on that they didn't say he didn't say one way or another but I just want to be clear here that mm. what they were told was about the dream we do not know for sure if in the book canon they knew yeah 
And we know that they take their dreams seriously, given Danese yeah. and the book Signs of yeah. Portents, which is probably still around in Aegon's day. It was probably lost. Yeah, and we, and we know that it was rediscovered. So we know that whether the dream, whether Rhaenyra in book canon knew the dream, eventually Rhaegar does. Yeah, and that's sure. that's important. So that's important. But I just I don't know. Do you think that it was passed down? Do you have a strong opinion on it? I feel like I feel like it was lost at some point and rediscovered, but because there's there's just so many so much tumult and so many young kings that died, and without the dragons, things maybe look differently. You've got insanity like Ares, and you've got people like Baylor the Blessed, who might have been a real roadblock to it being passed down with all yeah. his book mm. burnings and his belief in the faith and all that. He may yeah. have been against passing it so, down. I don't know. I really like the idea that Rhaenyra knew. I do. I think it would add a lot to the stress and uh, the weight that she felt on her. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I actually think she knew. I don't, okay. I don't think I mm. feel strongly about whether it was knowing that they did, were not told that it was passed down. I don't have a strong opinion, but I'll go. I'll say I like the idea that she would. Yeah, I, I'm going to lean towards she knew, but I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't. What do you think, Joe Magician? I think it's uh, possible, like Emma demonstrated here and looking at the other kings, that you can reverse engineer that there's enough people, enough of the Targaryen kings who seem to be reacting to it in a very, in a varied, but sort of like you can sort of pinpoint what they're reacting to, um, that if, if it was lost, I would guess it might actually be around like between like Makar and Aerys the first. There's there's a lot of discord during that time with the Great Spring Sickness, That's true. right? True. Yes. So yes. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. And Makar's um, Makar's reign had one of the long had the longest winter until the yeah. one that is hap- begins in A Song of Ice and Fire. So yeah, that would have been that could have made some people panic. Like Blood Ra- if Bloodraven knew, especially, and he was hand at the time. Yeah, if, especially Bloodraven. Does does he interpret the the dream to be about maybe the black fires or something like yeah. that that would be interesting twist but um i mean i've thought i mean asking me this question is like do i think they were all reacting to it yes obviously i've thought this for, <laughs> for quite a long time um but i guess the passing down thing how they did it i i wouldn't be shocked if the whole viserys thing like it went from heir to king and that was it is not true especially in the books because as you said that doesn't make any sense for how you go from magor to jaharis knowing it yeah it can't work that way so obviously um, I think there there's going to be more complications. Although, are we ever going to hear more about this time frame? Probably not. Maybe like not. George is done with the Sons of the Dragon. He's done with the Dance of the Dragons. Well, Fire and Blood Two is going to be after that, right? Yeah. In in the books, in the books, uh, I, I guess I'm thinking that going forward in House of the Dragon, we'll see Aegon's conquest after the Dance of oh, the Dragons. Oh yeah, yeah. So I mean, written yeah, stuff. Yeah, George, written I don't think George stuff. is coming yeah, back. I don't to think this. he's coming back. Yeah. I agree with you, except for the fact that in the main series things will reference it that there's always the sure. chance for some sort of form of flashback Brand. exactly with yeah. and there's always that or option. just in fire and blood too if you have a targaryen who yeah. like says this has come down to me straight from Aegon the conqueror then you have then you know yeah. that the line is unbroken i mean that's be that's kind, not likely thing for Galdine to put in yeah, yeah it doesn't make sense for that, that to be yeah. in the source material like yeah, that yeah, right, no, for the, for, yeah i wouldn't imagine so. it fire and blood I although it isn't it isn't the world of ice and fire this is one thing that i think uh it's uh it's buried in a line about the high tower where they're talking about a paragraph about how um where the few stone sort fortress came from and then it like twins it with like oh by the way people thought Aegon came to westeros to uh about a prophecy about something coming from the north but it's instantly then dismissed yeah so um mm, you know if you're look looking for yeah, it it's it's, it's available okay from george already in the books cool but he he did the same way he did around Fire and Blood, where he gave that interview. He's like, "Well, there are theories about it," and it's like, "George, why'd you do this to us?" <laughs> well, 
one way or another, they really got us spinning again. It's a wonderful thing. It was a really well done knowledge drop mm. and just the evidence of us spending half of an episode talking about it with so much more to come, acknowledging that we have so much more that we haven't talked about. Oh, yeah. We like sort of didn't preview the episode. <laughs> Oh, we did a bit. Um, I would yeah. like to. I, I would like to mention one thing about the childbirth thing, just because I keep getting comments about it. I just want to be clear. We've said it multiple times, but yes, they took this Emma scene from Alyssa Valarian. Uh, yeah. Just, just again, I just, I, I just want to re- repeat that. Yeah, it does. It's, it's almost the exact same. It's almost the moment, exact yeah. same thing. Um, yeah. Barring <laughs> the ex- barring Reyna getting mad, it's the same situation where Rogar is given a choice on whether to to do to kill her. Basically, yeah. um, Reyna's like never. I'm don't sure put the dialogue's you... almost exactly. Yeah, yeah. The same, it's very similar. It? We just don't have Rhaenyra mad and say you know like yeah. you know we don't have Reyna uh, Rhaenyra um, doing that that Raina. particular part, but we do. Have yeah. the other part about choosing to save the child or sacrifice her and yeah. um in, in fire and blood we have the interesting line where they say is it, it's possible that Alyssa gave her you know like gave her consent to that and clearly they decided to go the way that no she did not uh, give her consent yeah which is another question yeah. i think don't think emma knew about the song of ice and fire i don't think viserys you know, told her okay. but it's possible she did know that Viserys has dreams because yeah, she, yeah. she's not surprised That's when true. he says yeah, that. She's like, oh, she seems kind of like, yeah, roll her eyes skeptical, which if she'd been like that about other dreams, maybe he wouldn't want to tell her about this one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, perhaps. like if maybe she's had dreams, who knows? But yeah, yeah, there's true. no indication of that. But, but yeah. she's half tarred, yeah. so yeah, you know, she totally it's going to be strange. Have. Like when you look at Makar's children, uh, Eamon says that he, the dreams killed his brothers every one. Uh-huh. If you take that literally, then four out of six kids in one generation, 160 years later, all have dragon dreams. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Which, by the way, is always an interesting pattern. We have lots of examples of dreamers dreaming about the return of the dragons. Mm. Most of the dragon dreams are that. Except for like Danis and now Aegon. Most of the dreamers were not during the actual dragon era, right? Like mm. Aegon is. George hasn't written about it. If he put that's Duncan part of it, probably yeah. around Aegon's conquest, we'd know a lot more. Good point. Yeah, very yeah, good, point. A good point. Yeah, but also they. But it also tells us that the Targaryens have not entered them in the record. They didn't consider it like they kept it on the down low. I also secret. just really, mm. I, I personally really like the idea that the Targaryens. When they had dragons, had actual dragon dreams, like like how skin changers, how wargs have dreams mm. through their creatures. I really like the yeah, idea. I love your Valeria idea. Yeah, I, I really like the idea that that Viserys was dreaming through Valerian's eyes, through his memories, and was seeing Valeria. Yes, he had these blueprints. We have that. Like we had an interview where he said that that's why he was able to replicate Valeria is that they brought all these old blueprints. But I like the idea that he also had. A, a different perspective through Balerion's eyes, and so I could see that um, maybe they had fewer prophetic dreams when they were dreaming through their dragon's eyes, or something like that. Yeah, Ooh. yeah. I get just also time like a linked idea. The um the whole thing about how skin changers have second lives. I would love the idea of dragon riders have second lives within their dragons. Mm. Like when within Balerion is Magor, Aegon, oh and Aurea. That's Yikes. so funny. All of them like fighting. That's a great concept. It would explain why Balerion's kind of unpredictable. Yeah. That's great. Uh, a comment from Amanda here. A, a sort of a comment from her. I'm, I'm pivoting away something from what she said. Talking about, she's mentioning a couple things here, but she mentions the library at the Red Keep where Rhaegar found... Yeah. 
the prophecy or just whatever made him think he had to be a warrior. Ares the first also is according to egg, uh, according to egg discovered, rediscovered the prophecy, of the dragons return in the red keep. Those books are probably still there. This is, this is after Baylor. So Baylor's book burning was before this. This is after the red keep was restocked with (laughs) books on prophecy. Uh, Clearly they were like, dude, he burned all the good stuff. We got to get some of that back in here. So they, they clearly restocked it. Yeah. Do they even know what the good stuff is? Yeah. I don't know. Like who knows what some people might have been like, don't let Baylor burn that. Like they may have been like a mass hiding of Mm -hmm. books campaign to. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> Shadow I think like the, the top choice for that would be Signs Importance from Danny's the Dreamer. Definitely. But I made the case in my Aim in the Dreamer video that the reason Rhaegar and uh, Aemon hooked up, that they started writing each other, is because Rhaegar found Aemon writing about it in his youth. Uh, like he was documenting Daryl and the Dreamer yeah. stuff. He was writing them down and investigating it. And Rhaegar's like, this guy's still alive. Yeah. I'm going to write him. See what he thinks about it. And we know those two corresponded. That's that's yeah, well recorded. Something made them do it. And Eamon was on the wall with Bloodraven. So, you know, there's another potential big connection there with lore passing from one important figure mm-hmm. to another, which could get it to then get it to Rhaegar. So, the... And Eamon has the, uh, the line the is still links. Yeah, yeah, sure is. So, you can definitely see, you can definitely draw a dotted line all, from place to place all here. all pulls together with that one string. You're right, it's there. <laughs> You're all, it is really there. All right, I think we should probably get to wrapping up. We've, we wanted to keep this around two hours, and it's just about to be two hours, so... Yeah. Lots more to talk about. None of these topics are closed for good. We will oh, we will con- continue to think about them. Like we said, this is a, a new bomb dropped on the fan. We've only had a week to think about, less than a week to think about it, along with all the other things we've had to think about. So it's not like we've been focused only on this new thing. But we've had a little longer than that because technically, I mean, the whole fandom as a whole. But this news has been out there about this being that's the case true. for a little while. That's true, but still not very long. Yeah, you relative. Know, so, to... relative. I just want to be clear on that because I know we'll get a correction otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> good point. Good point. <laughs> Do we have any final questions? Looks like Mr. Marmello sends another super chat. Says, Dragon's Dreams. Dragon Dreams are hard. Are but hard. <laughs> and Antoine. Deliberately hard. They're puzzles. They are indeed. And Antoine Dennison says, The Targaryens have a higher calling now. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yikes. Ooh. But yeah. Uh, I. I, I, I we kind of addressed that already, but I will definitely say that I, I can't see why people are on edge at the idea of there being an excuse for the conquering of people. Yeah. I don't uh, think know. that's how George is spinning it. I don't think that's how he's spinning it either. I don't think it excuses it. It just makes it more complicated. Uh, I think that's I what they're going to justify. Yeah. I think the individual characters are going to justify their actions based on the yeah. prophecies, but it will not. Like that's why I brought up Aegon versus Azor Ahai, uniting versus conquering. Mm-hmm. Like uniting is good. Conquering is questionable yeah. <laughs> at best. So, yeah, I got justifications like, are not implied. And 15 comments all saying <sighs> the same thing. It's like, well, if this is all true, then doesn't. So you think it's good? I'm like, no. well, no, that's not the same yeah. thing. I yeah. respond the same every time. Like, I don't just because he thinks there's a good cause doesn't mean there's a good reason to burn 10,000 people alive. Like, yes, that's that's not great. Yeah. No, I, I, and I, I, it ups I the people, level of conflict. I saw people time. who were upset about how it excused Rhaegar. Um, and I was it like, well, excuse him. I don't yeah. think it excuses him. It really depends, I think, on how much you as a person think the ends justify the means in any given situation yeah. i think it kind of tells on them yeah, <laughs> more yeah, than anything yeah, yeah. that like they Primary, think that if you have a yeah. reason you're allowed to just run over people but i don't think that's true stannis, <laughs> <laughs> stannis has a lot in common with Aegon. we were we were making that comparison in our dragonstone episode about you know sitting there at the painted table stannis even says 
Aegon sat here at one point and thinking these same things about how he needed to unite the realm, according to Melisandre, in order to do this stuff. And we, we saw that through Stannis' eyes. Most of what Stannis did was not very justified. Like, the dude wanted to kill a kid. Like, people, two. two. He's going to kill yeah. another one. Like, no, none of us thought that child killing was, was justified, that almost child well, killing was justified. I wouldn't say none of us. None of us. <laughs> You're okay, right. Some people us. out there dead. But that it's the same argument. It's like, no, if Stannis kills this child, like whose side on that argument do you take, Davos or Stannis? Most of us take Davos's side. Like, no. Like, it's not worth killing that child. <laughs> you know, Ned Stark, some, same thing. some people you know? do think it's worth killing the child. Yeah. I, I, I Realistically, like, there is a contingent of people that think, yeah, if they're telling the truth, and it is the difference between the end of humanity and what, I, you know. Yeah. The, I, I don't feel that way, but if I was in this world and I truly you knew thought, for certain. and I knew yeah. for certain that it was the difference... I don't think I would be some honorable person. I don't. But thankfully, I live in the real world where I don't have to make those kinds of decisions. Yeah, you don't have, predict, you don't have prophetic dreams that maybe <laughs> yeah. are telling you what's coming in vague terms, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the problem with Aegon to Stannis to what, uh, honestly, Daenerys is probably going to go through and already kind of has gone through. It's like, what is the... what is what's the juice is the juice worth the squeeze yeah. you know the the road to hell being paved with good intentions just because good cause does not excuse everything you do for good cause yep. like that's a very basic idea of morality and then i think it's it perfectly consistent with george as a writer that he would introduce this throughout the targaryen history and have each one of them dealing with it. it's conflict for every single one of them it's conflict there in their heart yeah the heart and conflict with yeah. itself like it's super right in line with the way he loves to write and the types of things he loves to introduce to his characters to wrestle with so mm -hmm. right on one last point i, I wanted to make about uh danny as well is in looking at her dreams I, it's going to take another look at her dreams, but I don't think she has lots of dreams of icy death. Like she has the one dream of dragons melting an army of ice at the mm -hmm. Riverlands. She has another one with uh, the that people think is Euron. Okay, yeah, the icy, the yeah, with the blue lips and all that. So we're, that's one I'm yeah. not as sure. I haven't had time to look back on all of Danny's dreams. That's a it's a it's a lot of stuff. So I want to look for like, is there any? Maybe something that you could that we could see that might be similar to what Aegon dreamt, or or something. So there's also see. definitely the problem that I introduced in my longer video talking about prophecy that glass candles exist mm -hmm. and that people are clearly messing with her brain. Yes, and it's really hard to tell dragon dreams apart from green dreams and glass candle dreams mm -hmm. if the person making them doesn't say like Quaith does, like, "Hey, it's me, Quaith. I'm here to talk to you. I'm here to help you save the world." <laughs> clearly, Sam and Aemon have no idea Marwyn is watching them, so it really calls into calls into um question how much of what danny is even seeing is genuine or how much is people messing with her brain yeah uh, and i don't i don't think there's some like conspiracy for someone to want the world to be destroyed and they're telling her the wrong things but i do believe that someone who legitimately believes that the world could end unless this heroic savior figure mm. does the right things that they could be like trying to push her in the right direction that makes sense to me because you could see the motivation there but like weird villainous I want the world to end stuff. I don't know that we have that in A Song of Ice and Fire. Other you're on, than you're in Other than the if others, he's on Nightwalker. Yeah, if Euron is is mm. getting into her dreams, that I could maybe see because he has he has expressed that <laughs> that he wants to. Destroy he wants the him. end of the world. Yeah. That's it's that old theory that he's Eurothon, therefore he has a glass candle. He hasn't showed it. Yeah. Doesn't mean he doesn't. He clearly thinks of himself as a fire mage at this point. So so I'm open to the idea, but it has to be something like that. It has to be set up. It can't just be like oh they're just trying to sabotage Danny through her dreams. So, but I do. But there is I do. 
fully accept that think about her it. dreams it are being possible. With. Yeah, it is. It's on the table. <laughs> if it wasn't possible, George, don't put it in the book. And I can't think of who it would be besides Quaithe, right? You know, do you have an idea? Marwin has Marwin, one. Okay, um, yeah. Earth on Nightwalker. Yeah. There could be other if ones out there. Also, even... the Children of the Forest. Yeah, they could in their be, own way. They could yeah. be sending green dreams disguising themselves as dragons. Hmm. That's that's true. It is possible. Cool. All right, well, let's let's call that a wrap. Uh, Joe Magician, tell everybody, you like you said, you have a whole playlist of videos on this topic. <laughs> tell people where to start or what's the, the best place to start or what you which one you're most proud of or however you want to pitch it. So so the I think the one you should start with is the one I put out uh, a week or so ago. It's titled Why Targaryens Conquered Westeros and Prophetic Dreams Explained because you have to call everything explained on YouTube. <laughs> also, no one watches it. Uh, I'm going to put that one in the chat if anyone wants to check it out. That's kind of a distillation of like three different videos plus like 10 live streams. So yeah. that's a real that's a real good overview to get into a lot of the topics. There's obviously the uh, Dreams of Dragon playlist. Uh, you can check that out. I also put out two videos over the last week. The what, Why didn't the Targaryens do anything about the White Walkers? We talked about mm-hmm. that a lot today. Uh, also Viserys' dreams and how the show is setting you up to understand that this is a motivation and that's going to screw them up every time, that kind of stuff. Um, as to what's coming up, obviously tomorrow night show goes live. Um, mm. Be going live on my channel right afterwards. And I have a special guest for that one. So you do. <laughs> I'm going to be on Joe Magician's channel right after the episode, which is always a yep. interesting time to talk about an episode is right after you saw it for the <laughs> yeah, first fresh. time. Yeah, fresh. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I will be on Joe Magician's stream after the episode. What time do you go live? Is it like at... 10 uh, 10 15 okay so at 10 you can find that there funnily enough aziz is going to be on robert on in deep geek stream there before the episode <laughs> so we're going to have him streaming then watch the episode then me streaming very busy day tomorrow mine's it that robert's it's, is at five so five oh. eastern aziz is going to lose his voice <laughs> <laughs> be yelling about like dragons so thanks for coming sure. everybody we appreciate you all hanging out we're once again, just getting started with this amazing run. Can I also say, I don't think anyone in this chat or in this stream or listening to this episode is relevant to them, but just in case it is, stop spoiling people on the fucking show, you guys. Like, just <laughs> chill the hell out. You don't need to be a know-it-all. We know that you read the book. You don't need to prove that you know the lore to people. Like, people are like, it's very annoying, but I don't think any of you are that. But, like, tell your friends not to do that. Yeah, we're not talking to y'all, but we, you might, saying, some of your friends might be doing that. It's yeah, like, let's, people let's, can't resist. Like, let's they get just the can't community resist. to behave a little I think better. people treat it a little bit differently because because it's not a book book because yeah. it's fire and blood because it's history yeah i think people don't treat the spoilers quite with the same respect yeah i agree, um, I so, agree. anyways uh, people weren't sent me most some people... of my dms which was fun oh really <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's, yeah, like... that's no fun i mean i already yeah, yeah, well yeah, it was yeah. actually no spoilers for the show oh. something they heard from a leak and i was just like what the hell I, why would yeah, you do that why would you tell me that yeah yeah that's so annoying everyone it's... here in the chat has been very well behaved in all of our streams no one has just decided to spoil people but just you know please shame people if Ask. they do it like tell them to stop defend the canon defend yeah. your fellow uh like, historians I, mean, I don't know about y'all but i love 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 seeing people speculate crazy things where they're like <laughs> i think that damon's gonna get allison pregnant and it's gonna be like they have this whole thing and then someone just replies and they're like actually no that's not right because so i'm like <laughs> especially for this because no. fire and blood is literally written to be uncertain yeah, yeah technically so just... they can't say that for sure so i hope that some of these people are get proven wrong with the, the <laughs> things they know 
Oh no, uh, Phil H. I said mean, spoiler winter is coming. Uh, oh, oh, winter yeah. is coming. <laughs> you know, George talked about that in your interview about how important it was that he made Fire and Blood uncertain because it literally, well, he didn't say this part, but it makes it so good for an adaptation that they have room to change things mm -hmm. and still have it stick to the overall story. So don't be certain that the thing, the interpretation you have of Fire and Blood is even the right one. Yeah, Absolutely. and that's what we want to ask Ryan about on Monday, about how they handled that and how that's a new experience for a showrunner to have this source material to adapt, how it's different than a script. So, Yeah, I feel like we could ask him that question in all 30 minutes could just be that one topic. To yeah, yeah. <laughs> start talking about uh, uh, news publishers back in New York, ah, just like yeah. George did. <laughs> cool. Uh, oh, let me tell you about the, the, two, the rivalry between the two newspapers. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh can i tell you also i got people that were like irritated with me cutting george off in our interview but y'all i was fighting for my life trying to get more than like five <laughs> questions asked like it's hard to cut you have to off. cut him off you just you have, have to they'll just keep going yeah like i so like you know you're welcome for all the questions we managed to ask because i feel like if we didn't cut him off he would have answered two questions and we would have had an hour-long conversation and part of it is we know we can tell when he's going to get into a topic that we know people have heard about so it was like, like no we, we want to stop him because we only had a limited time with him so we want to make you know try to get uh, it filled with yeah. new stuff so anyways no and you know none of the people that are criticizing me on the interview are gonna listen to this or see this <laughs> it's so annoying to me because as i edited i was like people are gonna be mad that i interrupted george right here but like i had to you had to <laughs> and you know he's a wordy guy look yeah. at my bookshelf look at yeah. the size of his books versus the ones above and below yeah. are massive. Yeah. the dude likes to talk he talks yeah, the way I he guarantee writes. you yeah. no point did george feel like he was cut off or interrupted no he was like this is a conversation where that happened so yeah. i that's what really matters he's probably used to that yeah it doesn't matter if some talking. random person commenting <laughs> thinks i was rude to george because george knows i wasn't rude to him yeah no george uh -oh. had a great time you <laughs> could tell <laughs> yeah uh -oh. cool all right folks enjoy the episode tomorrow thanks very much to joe magician definitely check out his work on dreams and other great stuff his channel is a, is a uh a smorgasbord of fun so check that out He's got if you some haven't cool already. Shirts too. That's right. Look at that. Cool oh, shirt. like this one right there. <laughs> and Aziz is wearing one. Aziz is wearing one. I'm the odd one out. Those. I'm in a Rhaenyra shirt. I can't wear this Rhaenyra shirt on our main streams. It's a spoiler. It's a, it says the half year queen right on it. <laughs> I, I got interviewed, you know, at Comic Con, and like. I was like, I hope no one really pays attention to my shirt. We read shirts. Yeah, no one reads <laughs> uh, cool. Uh, well. Okay, everyone, enjoy the episode tomorrow. Have happy House of the Dragon season. We're just getting started. The fun is just beginning. Let's reconvene on Monday, and we'll, uh, you'll see a lot of uh, all of us on other streams tomorrow as well. But <gasps> until then, Valar reread us. Valar rewatch us. Good night. Again. I'm just getting all of our use of it. I'm like, I'll play the beginning and the end of our episodes for right now. Those drums are cool. Yeah, I'm like, I'm just into the outro. I'm like, I'll play it. I don't mind. Cool. Uh, maybe I'll. Oh, I'm meowed. <laughs>